0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Over the Cap podcast. It is March 2nd, 2024, and this is Jason Fitzgerald. You can find me on x at jason underscore otc, uh, or you can email me jason at overthecap.com. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube at Over the Cap for the couple of times that usually it's just putting up these uh, podcasts just in the video format so people can follow along uh, with some of the stuff that I have on the screen. I got the camera actually running today. Um See how long that actually decides it wants to work for, um, and we'll kind of go from there. Um, don't really have much in the way of a beer of the week uh, for this week. We're still kind of recovering, so we've gone with the Michelob Ultra. That's never a good, never a good sign. Um, we're still getting over the little bit, whatever this foot injury is. I think I'm gonna be out of basketball for a little while. Um, so it's uh, certainly getting much better. But um, you know, it's the uh, that same stupid leg that I uh, tore the Achilles on years ago, so that always becomes a pain. So just decided to uh, cut back on that while we go through the healing process. But figure we could do a little bit of light beer. That's not the end of the world, I guess. To um, you know, to do that. So uh, that's pretty much it. Um, you know, for me leading up into this. Um, obviously, there's a lot of news going on with a lot of player releases. Uh, We don't have a lot of signings yet, and that's not too surprising. Um, You know, the cap rising really changes a lot of expectations for teams, or for players. But, you know, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, I think the first thing I really wanted to start out with here was um, something really, uh, you know, somewhat related, but a a pretty different topic here. And that's that Peter King retired. Um, You know, Peter King had just such an amazing career and um you know it was one of my thrills was to to get to um you know to meet him and talk with him and you know you guys know that i i, I contributed a handful of times as uh, monday morning quarterback and um you know football morning in america came out you know we would talk a lot just to ask questions about different things related to contracts salary cap um different values on trades compensatory picks and, um, things like that. And, you know, th- there was no reason for someone like that to ever reach out to, you know, to me to do something. And I, I thought that that was just a, a pretty cool thing when, uh, whenever I first met him and I-, I don't, I don't even remember when it was, um, to be honest, you know, a couple of years ago, <clears throat> you know, whatever that time frame was where you get just a random email, um, kind of about something. And, You know, now, I I remember him, you know, writing in the the local papers for us, you know, when I was really little, um, you know, we'd get the the Sunday paper, and I used to like to look through the sports section, um, even when I was young, and, you know, obviously you all done the years with Sports Illustrated, and, you know, he he just, he covered the game, I think, in just a way that's um, very different than anyone else, and probably something that can never happen again, because... I think one of the things that he did incredibly well was he made the the person that he was talking with I think feel very comfortable with him, Um, you know, kind of like two guys going out for a drink and you happen to be talking about football, Um, you know, and with the the understanding that you're going to write about it, and you know I, I don't think there was ever a stage where, even when he was going to be critical of something. That it ever came across as confrontational, which is how the way things kind of happen um, nowadays. And um, you know, he, he just—it's—I'm it, trying to think of the right word. Um, you know, trailblazer. I—I'm I, not really sure what the—the the word would necessarily be for it. But I mean, just—just just such a—just um, a—such an, an important figure, I think, for so many people. Uh, when it came to coverage of the NFL or sports in general um, you know I think as you go back and again this is coming from someone who grew up you know in New Jersey so it's all the, the New York New Jersey um, somewhat Pennsylvania you know Connecticut that, that kind of market stuff but you know I, I kind of look at the, the three most important sports people um, you know for I, I feel like for us in in our area, and I think in many ways on a national basis as well, was Peter King in terms of the way that he wrote the long form writing, the um, you know great content that he would give you, um, discussing things with coaches, with players, um, you know, and just just getting you in those long form pieces where you kind of felt like you you were in that war room as well. You know, you're in the draft room. You're you're in there with that general manager when something is happening you're in there with that player as as he's preparing um you know to go play in the super bowl and then in terms of the the speaking aspect of it you know mike and the mad dog on wfan 660 by us which really was the the big pioneer of what talk radio eventually became you know those guys kind of fell out over time and they had their own falling out um chris russo still has his station i guess on sirius i don't I don't listen to it anymore, but, um, you know, it, it was like that That group, those three people, um, you know, doing two different mediums, uh, I, I think really set a path for just a lot of people learning about the different sports, um, wanting to work covering sports. Um, not, not that what I do is covering sports, but, uh, you know, more analyzing and just having fun playing with numbers when it comes to sports um you know they they just gave you a different way to think about it um you know discuss it and obviously they all had access to a lot of um you know really good people and you know it was never at the point where you felt like you, you were just doing puff pieces right you know it was not like um I'm not going to be critical of a certain outlet, but, uh, you know, by us, it's one one of those things where everything is great with the coach. You get the coach on. It's like, hey, coach, you did a really good job. And, you know, the the game just didn't go your way. You might have lost 40-3. to And, you know, the toughest question you'll get is, you know, what happened? And then the coach will say, you know, sometimes these games get away from you. That's a good point, coach. You know, but you you move on to the next game, right? Yeah, you move on. And that's about as deep as it gets. Um, You know, and all these guys did a much better job. Uh, when it came to that and, you know, discussing the stuff. And, um, you know, Peter King is probably one of the nicest people that I could imagine that you would meet uh, that works in the NFL. Um, You know, I've been pretty lucky when it came to uh, beat reporters. You know, people ask all the time about like, oh, well, you know, how did you, you know, get your start kind of in doing this? And, um, you know, one of the things that really helped uh, with, OTC or like the little bit of stuff that I did before this was, you know, this great um, pool of young beat reporters that worked with the Jets at the time, um, you know, that that were willing to say, hey, wait, there's this guy online that has a, a website talking about salary cap stuff. We don't really understand it that well. Um, he's got these numbers up here and he's kind of explaining stuff. And, um, you know, you, you end up going at some point to the team and saying, hey, does this look okay? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. And, um, you know, you you get people from from there reaching out to you and kind of working with you. In a sense, you're helping them, and they're, you know, kind of promoting the work you do. And, um, you know, that extended beyond the Jets with, uh, you know, a couple of, of the um, other different teams. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, Peter King, there's just zero reason for him to be... Involved with doing anything like that. And, um, you know, it was like, hey, well, what about this? What about this? You're doing good stuff. You know, this is uh, really cool. It's really neat. And, um, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? You know, I want to write something about the Saints. You think you could, you know, do a part of the column? Uh, sure. You know, why not? I'll put a couple things together. It was way too long. It's like, I'm going to cut that down for you. Like, you go ahead. You're the writer, not me. Um, But, you know, just such a, um, you know, just such a nice guy. And one of the things that I kind of found when, you know, you you see all the the outpouring of, um, I guess, thoughts on him from, you know, a lot of the people that I follow on Twitter or just that I know, um, whatever, it was all kind of that same sentiment. Like, you know, just went out of the way to to say, hey, you're doing a really good job. And, you know, you, you kind of think to yourself sometimes like, Man, number one, why should he even know what I'm doing? Um, number two, it's like, uh, you know, why would he even be reaching out to me? Um, you know, to talk about it. And I always appreciated it. And um, you know, it's a big thing. And you know, I, I think the, I think the football world is worse off for. Peter not getting to do his, you know, little bits that he does on the Sunday nights with the um, NFL thing and his, uh, you know, Monday column, and I, I know there's other other Monday columns, and I know he mentioned some of them, um, and he mentioned uh, Mike's in the Athletic, Albert Breer's for uh, SI, um, yeah, and they're all good, um, there's nothing nothing wrong with them, but, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, he, he was just a, a step above everyone, and I'm sure those, those guys will tell you the same thing um, you know, as well. And, you know, so I, I was kind of sad to see him, um, decide to retire, but, you know, good for him. Um, you know, he's been doing this for a really, really, really long time. And, um, I just think that's great that he helped out so many people along the way. Um, you know, just to, to give them a platform or just to, even if not giving a platform, just to give you encouragement. I mean, just to get a message, hey, Peter King here, you know, um, you know, <laughs> you know, just just to get that little message of like, hey, you're doing a good job, um, you know, I think that's really cool, uh, you know, of the bigger people that I, have met that cover the league, um, there's only been two where I've really gotten that kind of private message. He was one, there was another one who's also a really big name person, um, You know, that put something out years ago uh, just on some of the work that I was doing. Like, man, this is great stuff, um, you know, kind of thing. And again, you know, just not something that you would expect. Um, But of the people that come from like kind of that, you know, that older generation Hall of Famer kind of thing, it's him and John Clayton. Um, John Clayton was the other one. And I didn't do as much with John. Um, you know, maybe a couple of radio spots with him and a couple of times just, uh, you know, talking for just a, a couple of minutes or whatever, but just, you know, such a nice guy and so complimentary of everything that was done. And, you know, just like, uh, you know, I remember when he was like, you know, th- there was a time when I was the only guy doing anything that was like contract and salary related. And he's like, this is so great to, you know, just be able to go on this and see something that you wrote or something that you're talking about and, you know, get to talk with somebody about, like, these different things with, um, you know, the, the way the business of the league is going and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, he was just another one that was just such a, um, you know, just such a, a nice guy. And, um, you know, that that I think that's the thing that, um, you know, with Peter King that stands out more than anything, especially reading everybody's comments about it, is just you know, how nice he was and how he went out of his way to, you know, where people use that phrase about, you know, um, you know, paying back or paying forward or however you want to be. He really did. Um, you know, he, he really went out of his way to, um, you know, give that extra little pat on the back and say, Hey, you're you're doing good things. And, um, you know, I, I think he just, um, impacted so many people just not just on a professional level but on a personal level um in trying to help their careers or um you know bring a little bit more notoriety um you know it's just something that I I think a lot of people I don't know if there will ever be anybody like that again um you know but something people that you know can strive to do uh you know and it's one of the things when people ask me a lot about the salary cap stuff and I know I can't help out as much as I'd like, you know, my, my schedule is just too busy with stuff. And, um, it's unfortunate because I wish I could, um, you know, I always talk about, you know, getting a class together and you know, one of these days I'll probably put some sessions together, but, uh, that's not the same as being able to, to kind of, you know, work with somebody, um, you know, hand in hand with that. I had a little bit more time in the past to do some stuff like that, but, um, you know, I, I think that this is one of those things where when people ask about that and I always say, you know, be active on Twitter. And I know I know that can be a um, kind of a, a touchy subject these days because of the, the owner of the the platform and you know, the way some of that stuff has gone. And, you know, you, you can filter out a lot of the noise look. Some some of the nonsense that pops up in your timeline with the um, you know the silly "Hey, check out my bio!" or "Hey, wouldn't you like to take a look at this <laughs> with the Sanskrit picture?" Um, kind of stuff. You know that that pops up there. Uh, you know that that's obviously something, and I understand that. You know, some people just are completely against anything that monetizes something that goes to the the owner of that. Uh, but you know, it, it still is. A, it's a if you can filter out that stuff, it's still a very good platform for meeting people and discussing things with people and. One of the things that I've always found is that the, the people that work in the quote unquote analytics community, whether it's, if you want to call it the Twitter analytics crew or whatever, um, you know, maybe I'm a fringe member <laughs> of that or whatever it is, uh, you know, I fall in the, the more, the little bit more of the cap, strict uh, strictly cap category. Um, but you do meet a lot of really nice people, and it, it's people who are very willing to share ideas, discuss ideas, discuss, um, you know, things that you write about, um, you know, discuss those kind of things, share them with, you know, your followers or whatever, you know, obviously we get a lot of followers on OTC itself. And then, you know, my Twitter account has some followers on there. Um, you know, and so most of the stuff would come from me reposting something on there versus, you know, throwing a link on the, on the website, which probably would get more traffic, but you only put so many things up there and I barely have time to put stuff up myself. Um, you know, but it, it's like that community to me is always willing to engage as long as you're willing to engage and, you know, not be ridiculous with it. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that's anti analytics or whatever they are, you know, it becomes ridiculous. Um, some of the comments you get, but otherwise, you know, you, you do get a lot of good discussions on there and, I think a lot of people who have been able to, you know, really improve what they do. And you can you can see it, you know, just from a salary cap perspective. Um, you know, people that I talk with, and I'm, I'm not talking about people that now work in in the league or anything like that, but just, uh, you know, people who are writing about it. And it's like, you know, it used to be someone that, you know, would ask questions, whether the questions were on Twitter, whether the questions were on email, whatever. No, you don't really need to. You, know, you go to the website, you check out something, you, you get it, you, you understand it, um, just from some of the stuff that we've done. So, you know, I, I encourage people that, I don't know if the writers will ever be like Peter King, but I, I'd like to think that the, the little small groups that we have um, out there, you know, that have a little bit of a reach, um, would always be inviting and in trying to, um, you know, certainly help people out. Um, when it comes to writing about specific, very specific topics um, that would be relevant to, you know, to our groups, uh, but you know, just a, in general, um, yeah, I, I just really wanted to start off talking about it because it was just a, you know, just, just such a, a an amazing um, career that um, you know I, I thought that that was uh, just something I want to talk about. Uh, if you didn't want to listen to it, I'll try to put a timestamp at least on the video so you can fast forward over. It. Um, If you're on the podcast, sorry, you're uh, out of luck. You had to listen through. Um, Hopefully, that's something you can fast forward through easy and get through that. Um, Anyway, let's see where we're at. Salary cap stuff here. Free agency is right around the bend. We're in the Combine right now. Obviously, I didn't go out to the Combine. I haven't been there in a little while now. Just too many things going on at home. Uh, Combine is a lot of fun. You meet a lot of people. Um, There's a lot of things to do there uh you know if you are someone who is a student and you can afford to go out there and stay in indy for a couple of days i highly recommend it uh you have a good chance to network out there um very busy schedule very packed schedule but you know you can meet a lot of people the teams don't send as many people out but it is the one time of year where you can pretty much get meetings with teams just as long as you are um, somewhat interested in pursuing a career in something Um, you know, that, that, that is one of those areas when it comes to uh, football administration. I found the people that work there, excuse me, are very accommodating um, to a lot of people who are law students or recently out of law school or, you know, business programs, whatever it might be that you're interested in getting into the NFL. It doesn't mean you're going there for a job interview, uh, but you might be going there for, um, you know, j- just that discussion of, how do I get on this career path if this is something that I want to try to do? Um, so it, it's really good to be out there. Um, You know, I, I like going out there and, you know, occasionally you, you you bump into people like, you know, when I used to judge the um, Tulane competitions all the time. And you bump into people that you judged out there who are now working with a sports agency, um, sometimes working with a team. And it's like, hey, how you doing? You know, how are, how are things going for you? You know, it's, uh, you know, Good, good to see you here and that that kind of stuff um, you know that that to me is always a uh, always a, a really cool thing um, you know but so anyway so coming out of the combine you know a lot of times you get rumors you get news in this case we didn't really get a lot coming out of the combine we we got a couple of releases um, didn't get a lot of news and I, I think there's a lot of um, you know, obviously the, there's the franchise players are going to get franchise tagged, but there is a lot of, um, I think, question marks as to where the salaries are going to land. And I think that has um, probably been something that's uh, been discussed there. But anyway, as it comes to the <coughs> salary cap here, um, we have the Patriots now with over $100 million. Uh, this was pretty much expected because the only thing that was keeping them at number... Two or number three in cap space was J.C. Jackson. And obviously there was no way that guy was going to remain on the team. Um, That one goes down as one of the the worst free agent signings. You know, obviously that was by the Chargers, not by the Patriots. Uh, Worst free agent signings ever. Um, Look, I, I didn't expect it to be that bad. When they signed that deal, I probably gave that a good grade. I thought they got good value on that. And he just didn't fit, wasn't healthy. And when he was healthy, they didn't even want him on the field. Ends up in New England. Didn't work there either. There was no recapturing the magic. Uh, I would not be surprised if the next stop for him is practice squad. I'm not even sure, um, given the way things went with the Chargers and the Patriots, that he, he'll he even get signed for the vet minimum, um, you know, with a roster spot. I mean, maybe to, to go to a camp somewhere. But I, I would put his potential right now more on a practice squad level, I think, than um, anything else. Uh, we had Washington who's now up to about 91 million. And, oh, uh, one thing to to mention here, if you're following along on the video um, or if you just want to go to the website while you're listening, uh, I've had a lot of questions about what's the effective cap space. Um, You know, what are those numbers here? And at this point in the season where I think almost every team is over 51 players, uh, Seahawks are not, Ravens are not, um... Chargers, Dolphins, they are not because of their cap situations. Uh, but basically what it does is it it shows you what the cap would be if they um, had 51 players on the team and what it will be when you take those rookie signing bonus prorations and you put them on the cap. Um, now, I don't have the official estimates up there for the, uh, the rookies. There's probably a couple of changes we have to make to the pool. But, um, you know, they're pretty good assumptions that would be there. So it's just kind of an idea of, okay, where would we be come, say, August 1st? Because pretty much all your rookies are signed by the first week of August. And so that's what the effect of cap space is. That's showing you basically by the time they get to training camp, what their cap space would look like after you get the rookies in there. Um, so Washington Washington does three releases. So they, they release uh, Charles Leno. Um, we've got this over here. Uh, Charles Leno Logan Thomas those are the the two big ones that they do um, you know Leno he, he was in our free agent uh, report for that team uh, so was Thomas I, I think we expected both of those guys to go you know they're, they're veteran players Leno's injured um, sounds like Thomas might be as well so both those guys are probably getting injury protection but um, you know the Washington is at a point where they're basically going to be tearing things down to try to rebuild up. And you're not going to do this with some of these older players. Um, You know, Leno had—you could probably make an argument that um, Leno—and I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but I I remember doing something looking at um, basically excess value that came from a pick. Leno is—he's right up there with some of the biggest players— because you're talking about a seventh round pick who had this big long career, ended up with a, a pretty lucrative contract with Chicago. Um, it was around. Let me see. I have it written here: nine point two five million a year. And remember that that's at a time when contracts were much lower, uh, you know. And then got to twelve five with Washington. Um, you know, for when you're talking non-quarterback, I mean, this is as good as it gets for like a late pick. I mean, th- this was a a tremendous career. Um, I I think it's going to go unnoticed, but you know, if you, if you go round by round and you say, well, you know, who is the latest pick who's given the most value? Um, he's, he's way up there. If we're looking at the, um, rookie wage scale era, you know, he, he's way up there as one of the biggest success stories that there is, uh, Logan Thomas, you know, long career, um, started off, I believe, as a quarterback. He, uh, you know, bounced around the league a lot, and you know, ends up finding that home in Washington. Washington rushed to re-sign him, and it ended up being a failure. Uh, he was already a little bit older, and you know, he was probably not as accustomed to playing that position all the time. His body broke down pretty quick. Um, you know, availability was always a problem with him, and he never never duplicated that one season um, that he had in 2020, 2021. Uh, let's see. 2020 was the year that he had that. Um, you know so, so they move on from him. and you know those two moves save him about 14 million in Cap room. Now the other move that was announced is that they're going to release Nick Gates. He will not save them any cap space. Uh, my guess is he will not be a post-June one, No, they could do it. It's, it doesn't matter. They have so much cap room, so it's really up to them. Um, the reason that his release was announced as you're going to be cut at the start of the league year is because he has um, guaranteed salary. So... The way that it works is if you have guaranteed salary, it immediately accelerates onto the salary cap. And um, we're still in the 2023 league year. And about a week after the season is over, everybody carries over all of their salary cap space 2024. So technically, all the books for 2023 read that you have zero. So you can't cut a player that would cause close to $2 million to accelerate into 2023 when you have no room. So you have to wait until um, June 1st. I'm sorry, not June 1st. You have to wait until the start of the league year to cut the player, even just on a regular cut. Um, So that's where they're at. Uh, So those two teams are far and away uh, the leaders in cap room. Bears right now are at about 78 million. Titans are at 76. Colts are at 71. Texans, 70. Uh, Cardinals, 57. Lions, 52. Bengals, 48. So those are your top teams. And then on the bottom of the list, we've got the Bills who haven't done anything yet at 41. And I'm going to be critical of the Bills here. Um, not because they haven't done anything. I'm just going to be critical of their general manager uh, who, you know, he got that job. Uh, was it 2017? 2018, 2017? Something like that. And I remember first year he had that job. He had such a awful salary cap situation to navigate. You know, th- this was the... Tyrod Taylor contract, Marcel Darius contract, um, you know, just, just awful stuff on the team that he had to work his way through and he did it. And I still remember saying in that first year, I'm like, this guy needs to be executive of the year because, you know, he, he's doing things that are just terrific in the long-term interests of the team. Um, that's changed in the last couple of years and, you know, they, they've gone into this mode of, you know... I need to, what what I'm considering is maximizing my chances of a Super Bowl. And, you know, realistically, your chances of a Super Bowl are pretty much going to be the same no matter what. Um, you know, Josh Allen is what's driving, it. really, he's what's driving you towards a Super Bowl. Um, you know, y- y- the other stuff that you have there, you need better drafts. I mean, you you need your draft picks to... You need some young guys to come in and contribute more. um, You know, to to really help that outcome of that team. And you need to get your salary cap in order so you can bring in some some guys to fill some of these voids. And I've got him going on uh, PFT Live, I guess it is, and basically saying, you know, the increase in salary cap saved us. And... It's like, yeah, you know, I mentioned it last week. It helped the Bills. It helped the Saints. Helps the Dolphins. You know, the teams with really bad cap situations. But, you know, I, I'm I'm listening on this, and it's like it saved us. And then he's like, yeah, so maybe we don't have to restructure guy, or you know, maybe we don't have to cut a guy that we really want. And it's like, man, you've got to start cutting guys. You you can't keep you can't keep going with this same group that doesn't win. Like, at some point, you, you you get to the point of roster negativity to where instead of, um, you know, extending the Josh Allen window, you're hurting the Josh Allen window. You know, that's what happened with the Saints with Drew Brees. You had Drew Brees in his prime going 7-9. and nine. And he went 7-9 and nine because their salary cap was a mess and they signed bad free agents. The the signings did not work in New Orleans. And you had this terrible salary cap fallout as well from those. You know, they they basically were, um, you know, they they lost in that period. uh, If you go back and you look at their dead money in those years, you know, they essentially were a whole year of salary cap space over like a three-year period went to dead money. And, you know while Buffalo is not going to take that dead money right now, there's probably going to be a year where they do it. But in reality, I mean, these players are dead money. I mean, Von Miller, yeah, it's an active cap charge. He's dead money at this point. It doesn't matter if he's on the field or not. You know, it's just, now, they they his contract is such where they really just can't walk away. Um, you know, but there's other players where that's the case. And, you know, to be out there saying, like, yeah, you know, this gives us more flexibility, and you, you just figure it just means they're going to add, you know, some guys here and there that probably aren't going to make a difference. And it's like, why compromise your future? And and I kind of get it. You know, you, you go back to, um, you know, comments that he made about trading up for Josh Allen, and it's like, well, look, here's my thought process. And this is one of the problems with, I, I think, any kind of long-term planning in the NFL. You know, it's like, well, what's my thought process? If we If we screw up this pick, I'm getting fired, so what do I care? If it's a home run, you know nobody's going to care that I that I traded up to get a guy, you know, to get third best quarterback in the draft. If he flames out, well, I'm going to get fired anyway. So what difference does it make that I gave it up? And I I think that you know that that's I understand that thought process, um, you know, and at the state they're in now, I, I can understand the same thing because he probably figures if they don't advance much further in the playoffs, he's going to get fired, but. You know, it's just not the way to run a team. You know, really just, it just isn't in my mind. So I'm disappointed in the way they do, in the way that they're running stuff, because this just wasn't what they were when they got there. And maybe that's just the difficulty in the league. You know, that's the difficulty of being in that position where you do get that close and you're chasing it and you you just, you lose that focus, you, you lose that sight of, um, you know, what made things work. And I, I think that's kind of what's going on with Buffalo. Uh, yeah, Miami. Uh, Miami is at 32 over the cap. They haven't really done much, anything. I mean, they, they, well, no, I shouldn't say that. They did release a couple of guys. Um, so they, they've started doing a little bit of their housekeeping uh, there. Chargers haven't done anything. I, I think they're figuring out exactly what they want to do. Um, same thing goes for the Broncos who are 16 over, you know, it's just a, a matter of time before they start doing stuff. New Orleans has made it to 17, um, over at this point. So we pull up the Saints. You know, I, I'm always amused by this and you know, you, you always get the, how do they do the magic? It's like, it's not even magic. It, there's no magic. I mean, anybody could do it. You can go to our calculator page and I can show you everything that they're going to do. You know, I showed you everything they're going to do months ago. Uh, when we talk about the Saints because there's just no options. But, you know, it's like you get here, so we get past these couple of guys and, you know, minimum salary, minimum salary, that's a voided out deal, minimum salary, minimum salary, you know, a couple of salaries they still got to decide on, minimum salary, basically minimum salary. So, you know, they're they're just in that point, um, you know, where you're getting minimum salary after minimum salary after minimum salary and then figuring out, you know what are the what are the contracts you touch next? Um, you know Ramchek. There, there's talk of you know injuries and in retirement. Um, Alvin Kamara. You know maybe that's somebody you move on from. Demario Davis probably going to play one more year, but you never know. Taysom Hill just terrible contract. Um, you know, and so you, you're going through these now. The one that was interesting is they said they're cutting Marcus May. And what I found interesting with this is. The way that it was written, it sounds like he was informed that he would be cut at the beginning of the league year, which means he's not going to get cut until um, you know the thirteenth or fourteenth of uh, March, and that would indicate to me a June one, which kind of makes sense. This is a player who has a nine point seven million dollar cap hit, uh, eight point five million in dead money, so you're not opening up anything, and given the Saints' tight cap situation you would almost be like, well, you know, this is a contract that they should probably restructure uh, versus cutting him out right. But, um, you know, I I think he's a player uh, that, you know, if the Saints had a plan, and let's say the Saints' plan was based on a cap of 243, 244, 242, um, that probably involved Marcus May remaining on the football team on a restructured deal. With the cap jumping that extra $10 million, that may have made someone like May, who's just been an injury problem, um, you know, that makes him expendable. And I I think that's probably what led to it. But um, the reason that I thought that the timing on this was interesting, and I mentioned this in an article I wrote about it, you're only allowed two post-June 1 designations. The Saints are already locked in to two post-June 1 designations. Um... You have Michael Thomas, whose contract is structured to be a post June one. Uh, you know that that's if they have him on the roster on the second or third day of the league year, um, he gets like an extra sixty million dollars guaranteed. And Jameis Winston, same thing. If he's on the roster, he gets an extra you know thirty million dollars or something guaranteed. So, you know, those are your two post June one cuts. So you shouldn't have the opportunity to do that with May, um, you know, here. So, you know, you cut them at post-June 1, it's a 2.4 million dead. You'll save, uh, you'll open up 7.2 million in cap space, um, you know, to sign your rookies or whatever, uh, you know, and you'll defer 6 million to 2025. So, you know, that that's kind of, you know, a possibility. But, you know, that tells me that they are back because – I can't imagine a scenario where Jameis Winston is back. So that tells me that they're in discussions with Michael Thomas to possibly bring him back again, which I would think is crazy. Um, you know, at this point, I would think you just let him walk. But um, the fact that they, they didn't release May yet and they told him beginning a league year, that tells me they're still holding out hope or the thought that they're going to bring Michael Thomas back. I don't think it'd be Jameis Winston. I think it'd be Michael Thomas of the two, but obviously one of the two has to be in some kind of discussions to come back. Um, because otherwise you just would have released Marcus may outright. Cause you're not going to get somebody to trade for him. That 7.5 million next year. No way. Um, you know, he's probably a $3 million player with, you know, incentives giving you an up to value to something. Um, you know so anyway but that that's where the uh the Saints are with the cap um you know and then you've got these other teams so you've got the Chiefs about 3.5 uh Browns 6.8 million in cap room Steelers about 8 Seahawks with 12 Seahawks announced Geno Smith will in fact uh be there in this year um I'm going to assume that meant they shopped him a little bit at the combine and there were no takers so they quickly just said hey look you're going to be here next year um, you know, no matter what. Uh, so, you know, that, that kind of is what it is. Um, you know, of all these teams, you know, here uh, for next year, the the one that has the most interesting decisions to make, it, I mean, the, the the Buccaneers maybe a little bit, but I, I think the team that really stands out is Minnesota. And uh, Minnesota's got the, the two big names in um, Cousins and Hunter. And, you know, that they have to make these decisions as to um, how far are you willing to go to keep those guys, Um, you know, or are you just looking to rebuild everything? And I have no idea what the thought process is there. Um, I think that in terms of salary potential and... Probably team need. Minnesota actually works out best for cousins, um, you know, on both sides. But I don't know. I, I just don't know why you keep going down that path. Um, you know, I, I would think that's surprising. And then they did a very weird thing. Their GM was on, and, uh, I, I have no idea, you know, that they're like, well, you know, would you, um, you know, talk about trading Justin Jefferson. So Thoughts never crossed my mind. Okay, fine. You know, that, that that's fair if you want to say that. Um, But, you know, then you start going further and say, you know, we believe he's the best wide receiver in the game. And, and a, this is probably not an exact quote, you know, but, you know, and should be compensated that way. And knowing that the market for receivers is $30 million if you are taking the Tyreek Hill deal at face value, which... I don't, you know, I, I consider that a like a 25, um, you know, and then taking it a step further and saying he's one of the best or the best non-quarterbacks in the league and should be compensated as such. And you've got Nick Bosa out there at, um, you know, what is it, 34, uh, um, you know, 34 a year I think is what that is. It's like, and now I, I've said all along that I thought Jefferson deserved to be the first legitimate $30 million a year receiver. But, you know, now you're putting it out there that you, you're saying he belongs at 34. And, I, I mean, the disparity that you're looking at in the market here, um, you know, let, let the, let's let put Tyreek Hills really at 25. Devontae Adams is at 22, 23. His deal, I think, matched Julio Jones. So legitimately you've got Cooper Cup on the extension at 26.7, followed by AJ Brown at 25 24, DK Metcalf at 24, Stefan Diggs at 24. I don't know how you justify, you know, Jefferson at 3435. Um, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And some of the news that came out about that contract negotiation didn't make much sense to me either. Uh, I think it was Florio that was putting out there that, you know, they refused to offer fully guaranteed money beyond the first year. And maybe by first year, he means 24 and 25, because while it is true that the Vikings do not typically put um, guaranteed money in the second year of a contract, uh, not, not counting the quarterback stuff, they did it for TJ Hawkinson. So it's like if you did it for T.J. Hawkinson. You have to offer it for Justin Jefferson. Like that, you can't claim that it's some kind of uh, team. You know, th- this is a, this is the way our team operates. When just last summer you did it for your tight end. So, you know, obviously, I, I think that would be the case. Now, Hawkinson's money th- that's guaranteed is you know old money year, which would would be twenty twenty three for him, plus first new year, which is twenty twenty four. So maybe you know we're we're talking different languages sometimes with the contract stuff that might mean they're offering them guarantees in 2024 2025 but not 2026 that would fit in with them um you know but I thought that was just kind of a weird message that came out that they weren't offering guaranteed money and maybe maybe that's what uh what led to that um those comments being made but you know I mean that that was uh you know that was really taking the legs out from your contract guys when you you start saying stuff like that I, I i didn't i didn't like that at all um you know from their their perspective you know if they want to keep him fine you know that there's nothing wrong with that he's a great player um but you you don't have to um you know re- really leverage yourself out um i think with making those kind of comments because you were upset at some of the other comments that came out because I think that's the only reason that you would be making comments like that. Um, So I I, I was not big on that. Uh, The other thing with the Vikings is they did announce that they're going to release Alexander Madison. And this was something, and I I didn't put this in our stuff either, so I I whiffed on this. Um, Last year when he signed, he signed a deal that was reported everywhere as being guaranteed for 2024. Um, I think that it was a $3 million guarantee. Let me look up Madison here. Uh, Let's see, $2.75 million guarantee. And um, when we actually got the the right um, numbers on his contract, because that that seemed odd that that whole thing that was going to be a seven million dollar contract with like six million guaranteed that seemed pretty odd. But um, when we got the the kind of the full details on the deal, I remember that it was not guaranteed for whatever reason. I, I just forgot to update the website. Um, I, I don't really know why. I just forgot to do it. Um, so we kind of kept that up there that his salary was guaranteed. So, I didn't even pick up on it when I was just doing, you know, potential releases. It was like, nah, you know, they're not going to gain anything, so you're not going to save it. And then the minute they released him, or that they said they were going to release him, um I went to to write a tweet about it about the cap charge, and then immediately I was like, "Wait a minute. He doesn't have that guarantee, right?" Um, you know, so I had to go and check my notes and then there it was, you know, that, that guarantee was injury only becomes guaranteed Mm -hmm. in third day of the league year, fifth day, third day of the league year, um, you know, the salary becomes fully guaranteed. So, you know, immediately within a couple of minutes of it being announced, I I popped out there and was like, "Yeah, he's going to save three, three, five when everybody else was saying he's going to save nothing. And, you know, that, that just opened up a whole thing, just so many questions. And it's like, you know, hey, everybody makes mistakes. And I caught that mistake a while ago and I just forgot to update it. And, um, you know, luckily, I it, I don't really know why it kind of jogged my memory because typically it wouldn't. Typically I would have just been like, oh yeah, whatever. Um, but for whatever reason, that one jogged my memory like, wait a minute, no, he didn't have that guarantee, did he? Um, so I was able to catch that pretty quick, um, you know, before too many things are written about it. But... Then at the same time, it just brought on so many questions because it's like this, this, this. And it's in the grand scheme of things, a pretty small contract, but it's like um I just missed on that. And it happens all the time. You know, a lot of times you have salary that's reported as fully guaranteed. That is not. Um I was updating a, a very big player contract just the other day and um You know, came across stuff where again, it was every report on that deal was everything guaranteed, everything guaranteed, everything guaranteed. No, wasn't. I just, uh, you know, so changed it and, um, you know, brought it up to date. But, uh, you know, it happens. And that is one of the bad things with free agency. You get so many things that jump out and so many stuff, so many things are wrong about it. And, you know, we go on that information. Um, you know, we source a lot of stuff as best we can ourselves, but, um, you know, a lot of times you're, you're going on the the best available information. So, you know, mistakes sometimes happen and this timeframe, uh, mistakes happen a lot because agents love to inflate the values of contracts and they love to, um, Lead people in a way to, to maybe believe something that's not 100% true, but know that it'll be reported that way because you've been ambiguous enough to where someone will just run with it and then it gets taken as fact. So that that's exactly what happened with the Madison deal. Um, I'm sure that'll happen with some, some other deals here too. Um, but yeah, I just thought I would uh, bring that up. But that that was the the Viking situation here. So we've got uh, Meikle Hardman in the news. Um, I thought that was just funny stuff. You know, we'll, we'll do a little Jets thing here. Um, uh, pull up his contract for what reason? I don't know. Um, oh, his deal already expired. That's right, so I can't even pull that up. Um, you know, but he was signed last year to the Jets on a one-year, $4 million contract. Um, you know, we talked about contracts that were incorrectly reported. I think originally that was reported as a six Um, it was probably an up to six, but it wasn't actually six. I don't believe, um, you know, that, that goes by (laughs) as a horrible signing, um, for them just because who would have thought you're in February and you're getting dragged through the mud by Mecole Hardman. Um, you know, he, he basically ripped the organization for everything that went on and I, I get it. He did not have a, um a good run there. And, you know, I, I think he felt like they told him he was going to get the opportunity to do this and this and this. And he probably felt like he was never given those opportunities. But, um, you know, the thing that caught my attention and I think it was rich. Samini, was the one that, uh, posted the, the little transcript from, I think the video, um, that he did or the interview that he did. Um, not that Samini did, but that Hardman did. Um, It was like, okay, well, you know, gave a story about the game where he wouldn't go in against Chiefs. And then he's like, no, I got to tell you, you know, I I was already checked out for like two weeks before that. You know, I I, I talked with Pat. I was like, come get me. And it's like, all right, whatever. People do that with the, you know, guys they played with. And then it's like, I talked to Pat. I talked to Veach. I said, come get me. And it's like, wait a minute. As soon as I read that comment... I tweeted out there, if I'm the Jets, like I'm looking into this. Like, if I didn't give this guy permission, like, how in the world is he talking to the general manager of another football team who I end up trading him to after I've prepaid his entire contract? And, um, uh, you know, I put that tweet in there just as a response. I didn't even repost it. I got a lot of uh, replies from Chiefs fans, angry Jets fan. It's like, when have I ever been that negative, even on the Chiefs? I mean, I don't, I don't think I've been at all. I like the Chiefs. Um, you know, my son and daughter both like the Chiefs. My daughter, obviously, because of the Taylor Swift thing. Um, Jacob seems to like. Jacob likes a million football teams, but I did get him a Chiefs football the other day, uh, so he does have a Chiefs football now. But um, you know, they, uh, they, you know, they, they got very upset about this. Like, oh well, you know, tampering. It's the player that reached out to the GM. It's like, do you think that's allowed? Like, if you do that, the, the GM is supposed to come back at you and basically write you a letter. Um, I don't know if they have to inform the league, but basically informing you like, look, buddy, you can't be contacting us about a job. You're under contract to another organization. Like, that's got to go to the player. That's got to go to his agent. I would imagine you probably need to inform the league as well. Um, you know, something like that happens. So, you know, the timeline that's implied is that, you know, he very quickly realized that he wasn't going to have a role with the Jets. And so his thought process was, you know, I want to go back to Kansas City. They need receivers. I want to go back there. They'll at least find a use for me. And it's a good situation versus what was a toxic situation in New York um, where things were just... You know, snowballed as soon as Aaron Rodgers got hurt a couple games into the season. So, you know, the 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 way that that timeline worked is like, I talked to I talked to the guys in Kansas City and said, I want back. Like, is there a way that you can come and get me? And then you fast forward to them playing Kansas City, and he refuses apparently to go into the game to return punts, saying he's got a pinky injury or whatever, and you know that he, he's got a a personal problem with the uh, special teams coordinator. Um, I think at least that was the the one that he had a problem with and was like, yeah, I'm not going into the, into the game for that guy. And, you know, again, now you turn around and you've got that same team that supposedly he talked to now reaching out to you saying, Hey, what do you, what do you think about trading us uh, Hardman back? Um, you know, that, that's a, that, that's a, that's a possible tampering situation. And I was not surprised in the least that uh, Joe Douglas did come out and say he found those comments to be um, interesting. I think is was, was that the, the thing he peculiar. I don't remember the, the exact word that he used, but uh, it sounds like the Jets will at least have the league inquire about it. And I would not be surprised if they end up getting a late draft pick from Kansas City for it because... Um, You know, even though he tried to walk it back and claim that never happened, it's like he certainly said it. So now he's going to have to to claim that didn't happen. And so I would imagine that all this came out, this is going to hurt his chances of re-signing anywhere unless he goes back to Kansas City. Now, then stuff just went overboard, and obviously a lot of the guys on the team did not like him, and he didn't like the guys on the team. You know, basically people saying that... uh, he was leaking game plans to other teams. I don't believe that for a second. Um, one, I don't really know what that would have helped. I mean, the, the Jets were terrible, um, you know, offensively. I don't even know how plugged in he would have been in on whatever game plans there really were. And let's be honest, the Jets didn't have much of a game plan most of the time. Um, you know, I, I you, you'd also assume that he leaked those game plans to Andy Reid. You know, multiple Super Bowls, uh, incredibly long history in the league that you think that he would be like, yeah, I, I need this game plan for my old wide receiver. That that makes sense to bring that in. Like, no, come on. Um, so I, I think that is pure speculation on the part of the, the guys on the Jets and people just ran with it because it became a, a juicy story. So I, I don't believe any of that whatsoever. Um and I don't blame him for being upset about that. But, you know, he made these other comments. And now he's got to deal with that and whatever fallout is there from it. Um, you know, so he, he's basically going to have to say he was just saying stuff to say stuff. Uh, you know, to try to get out of it. But, um, yeah, I, I thought that that was, a, uh, that was a pretty big negative there. And I, I think that uh opens up a real interesting... Um, situation for kansas city and i don't it's certainly not going to be a high pick you know you're not talking about anything that's a that's a high pick but i would not be surprised if the jets get awarded a very late um draft pick for uh for the way that this whole situation unfolded um the other thing on the jets news front was uh a mention of elijah vera tucker and you know they they said they're going to keep him in one position but uh you know the other thing was that i guess they're going to wait until after the draft to make a decision on his option that that's not unusual um teams do that and you know we'll, we'll do a whole thing on option years uh later on but um yeah i think he's an interesting decision um you know he gets the lowest number which is probably around 15 uh we we have the actual numbers up there but uh, i think it's around 15 um, I think you have to ask yourself, if you're the Jets, do you think if he is healthy for a full year, has he been good enough that you would offer him a contract that would be over $16 million a year? Um, you know, and you can look at... I'm just looking at guards here. So the guards over 16 or 16 and over, Tooney, Betonio, Jenkins, uh, Nelson... Uh, Sheriff Turf, uh, Martin Lindstrom, and then if we bring right tackles into the mix, if he goes there, then you've got a lot of guys there. So, I mean, if, if you're trying to justify a path to picking up that option on him, I, I think at this point you probably have to kick him to right tackle. Um, just because that's where those salaries are at, versus the guards, where there's a little bit less, I think uh, players making that kind of money. But you got to ask yourself: Do you envision that? You know, where that's where he would be if he was healthy. Because if your answer to that question is no, I do not envision him at that salary level. You probably bypass the option because of all the injuries that have um, that have happened there. So you know, I, I think that'll be an interesting one. But I, I don't like the. I don't like the implication, like, well, you know, if we. The implication is if we draft somebody, we don't have to pick up his option. I don't really like that implication. I, I think that those two factors should be independent, especially when you consider the Jets' need for um, linemen. Um, excuse me. They uh, let go of Lake and Tomlinson this week. I was a little surprised by that. Not totally surprised, but a little bit surprised. I thought they would have looked to have brought his salary down and uh, kept him on the football team. I, I thought that might have um, made a little bit more sense uh, just because they have so many holes. Um, you know, I did a podcast today with Will uh, where we talked about that situation a little bit and, um, you know, even mentioned that. Like, you know, kind of thought, like, if you upgrade left tackle, up. um you know, have more experience at center. Uh, excuse me, with Titman, that um, you know, he'd probably go back to being somewhat competent versus playing alongside Beckton and whatever else, where, you know, it just wasn't a good look that, you know, you, you would say even if it's just to hold a spot for rookie, you would do that. Um, you know, but the Jets need a starting left tackle, they need a starting right guard, they're gonna a uh, starting left guard. Uh, I'd imagine Titman's gonna be center. And then they're gonna need either a right guard or right tackle, which whichever one they decide that Vera Tucker will, you know, not play. And given Vera Tucker's injury history, you have to get an adequate backup, um, you know, who can play whatever position he's gonna be at. You know, you, you cannot count on him. And I, I know you can say that the injuries seem to be fluke injuries related to playing in Denver, but you 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 can't go into the season and say after two years in a row where you've got some kind of big injury like that I don't think you can go into the season and just simply say well yeah we're good at that position we don't have to worry about him um because the the injury history is just there that you you've got to worry about that all right let's uh let's do our Q&A here um let me just pull up let me see if I can get my other computer here to work See, Jacob has some kind of game stuff on here. I'm surprised he has not made his way down to try and do Fortnite in the background. I think he was looking to do Fortnite. Um, Let's see here. Pull this one up. Alright, let's see. Podcast questions. All right, let me see if I can go back here. Okay, so I know I had a question from last week. Let me just see if I can pull it up. Bear with me one more minute here. I'm just looking, I got so much junk mail. Okay, this was from Mark. All right. Uh, you said during this week's podcast, re-email this to you. won't repeat the whole email. But I want to see where the excess dollars in high spending teams would show on salary caps. I added up dead money if each team traded every player. Came up with Patriots at 60, Saints at 300 million, Eagles at 400 million. My thing was the Patriots have spent 60 million above the cap, while the Saints have spent 300 million over the cap. Just curious if that's a reasonable way to find the money. Yeah, I mean, that... that so. That method is pretty successful in terms of just seeing, um, you know, where that money has gone. And so, you know, every year and this year for the reports, I mean, we did that as well, where you have future sunk costs. And, you know, that that basically is a snapshot is almost kind of saying how much money has been pushed into future years, right? Um, You know, those are costs that you can't get away from now. The Eagles' number is probably a little bit off, only because the Eagles do some wacky stuff with these option bonuses. Um, we're very slowly updating um, because, basically, because of them in Cleveland, uh, the way that we account for option bonuses to to get the the trade numbers and um, certain type of cut numbers to look right uh, for the players. So if you do see some errors, like I know, uh, apparently we had an error with. Um, Stefan Diggs, somebody alerted me, too, so I was able to get that fixed. Um, you know, that that changes some things. But um, the the big thing is, you know, when, when you look at the Eagles right now, some of that prorated money is options that are not yet exercised. Um, so it, it, it's correct in seeing ways things have been done, but a little bit different in terms of saying... You know, we spent X amount of dollars over the salary cap. Um, this is where the money is. It, it's just that that one is a little bit um, different, but otherwise, yeah, that, that's that's a good way to look at um, a good way to look at how teams have um, structured deals or how they they've really pushed things um, is to do just that. And that's why occasionally we'll we'll do these posts or different um, different looks at things where we look at future sunk costs. And you know that that's kind of um, you know what we're looking at with those futures on costs is looking at that. Um, all right, let me take a look here. I know we've got some other stuff here. Give me a second. My email just decided to jump around. All right, here we go. Okay, so that was from Mark. Text starting to bug me a little bit here. Always something that happens as the evening rolls around. Oh, I got a reply to this. This is about Von Miller. So if you are looking at the, uh, if you're a premium subscriber and you are looking at the depth charts on the teams, Right now, the cap hits are still showing the twenty twenty three cap uh cap charges. Usually, we switch to twenty twenty four when twenty twenty four starts. But I can talk to Nick about uh, switching those numbers around to to use the right thing. Um. Okay, Zach had sent me something about a Michael Pittman contract. I'll take Zach if you if you happen to be listening. I will take a look at this and I will email you back. Hopefully tomorrow. Um after I'm done with the doing the stuff with the kids, uh, hopefully I will get around to doing that. Uh, Gary, any prediction for Driscoll from the Eagles, uh, what his free agency would be? I haven't looked close at him um, off the top of my head. I would think that he falls in that line of, like, the um, kind of that lower mid-tier salary guard player. Um you know, the, these guys that pop up and get, um, you know, I can pull his numbers up here, um, you know, that end up in that four to six. Um, you know, um, stats, let's pull those up. You know, um, actually, no, I wouldn't even put him there. I'm just seeing, uh, maybe our snap counts are wrong on this. That, that, that seems a little bit low. I feel like, um, for what his numbers would be, but I, you know, I, I would think that that he would fall in line with, um, you know, some of those lower, uh, lower tier, you know, guards and tackles or whatever. Um, oh, this is not a question, but just as a um, reminder, I don't know why I forgot to mention this. So we did get the adjusted cap figures, um, for the teams in the league, um, you know, open up Twitter. Uh, I think, um, so I, I didn't put up the, the exact ones that are there, but, uh, you know, the, the, the cap figures, um, have been updated to include the official carryover numbers for the teams. We, we had had those long before, uh, but the official carryover numbers, the official, um, adjustments for the year and we've also put the workout adjustments in there so that was one of the reasons why um we saw a number of um a number of changes in some of the cap spaces that we put those adjustments in there the patriots had the top adjustment at about 10 million i think jacksonville was number two around seven ish um patriots are a little higher than i thought they would be but i I thought they'd be right near the top there um I, i thought they would have been more like an eight but, uh, you know, I I only track that stuff kind of loosely. Um, so that's there. But I, I think uh, I think Troy, if you go to at Texans cap, I think he put the official numbers up there. And again, going back to the Spotrack stuff, because every time we do the adjustments, because we'll get them, they don't. I'm sure they've by now gotten them, um, you know, just from looking at the site and figuring it out or going to Troy's post and figuring it out. Um you know, when when people ask again, why are the numbers don't match? They will. I am just want to put that out there because I get so many questions about it. Uh, not to toot my own horn, but we do a pretty good job with getting the, the numbers um, right, getting the numbers um, as soon as we can and get them up there. And they're more of a data aggregator. Um, which means you're and they, they're not everything is not aggregated from from that there's stuff they do on their own um, or the same way that we would do where you, you get something from report that comes out you know I was mentioning free agency but um, in terms of aggregating it's more along the lines of like well what does over the cap have let's update our stuff to match what over the cap has and trust me it happens we used to throw fake stuff in contracts just to do that um I remember I had a player once even mention, hey, should I call them out? I'm like, no, 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 that's just is what it is. I'm, I'm done with even dealing with that. We have our own little group of people that watch. If you, if you want to ask about it or you want to believe because they're showing you with more cap space that it's accurate, be my guest. Uh, you'll find out eventually that that's not the case. Uh, Chase, I think I saw your reply to a tweet that a local beat for the Eagles had about cutting a player and you alluded teams only get so many players they can designate as opposed to June 1. I think you implied too. Is this accurate? Um, yeah, that, that was what my comment meant. Uh, and if yes, what is the purpose to restrict it? Obviously, it benefits the team in allowing them to spread out money over the next two years, but is it making them uh, not benefit from the savings until after the bulk of free agency is over? The year penalty is enough to not have teams abuse it. Um, so... The reason for it is you also want to give players a reasonable option to earn their contracts. So the June 1 designation is basically designed to say you effed up when you signed this contract and the only way that you can keep it from getting worse is if you use a post-June 1. And the reason for that, you know, way, 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 way back when the the post-June 1 was first um, designed, it was because teams were right up against the cap all the time. And it was, you know, I can't cut this player uh, from my team because of the acceleration would push me over the cap. So I need a post-June 1 designation. Later on, it became more along the lines of my cap would be pretty screwed if I cut the guy but if I don't cut him, I'm gonna own guaranteed salary either in the form of a roster bonus or a vesting guarantee. So I need a way to cut the player while still having my salary cap manageable. So, you know, when you negotiate the CBA, you've gotta, you know, you're, you're appealing to both sides, right? We're trying to find a common middle ground for the teams and you're trying to find a common middle ground for the players. So from the player's point of view, it's almost like, look, We'll give you two mulligans. And if that means that uh, two of our players that have some kind of injury protection in their contract that's going to vest to full or have a roster bonus that we lose out on, all right, we're we're willing to concede that for the the betterment of the game. But we're not going to concede um, that you can do that with five players or six players. We're going to give you two. Um, and quite honestly, very few teams have had to use more than two. And, you know, the, the other thing is just from a competitive standpoint. Um, if you're from a team perspective, right, we're while the teams, yeah, there's 32 owners and the, the owners, in a sense, um, you know, are working together on certain things, you're also working against each other on other things. I don't want to save the Buffalo Bills or the New Orleans Saints for screwing up. Like, why do, why do I want, if I'm the Jets, why do I want the Bills to, to find a way to better salary cap compliance by getting, uh, having an avenue to release players as post June 1s and putting themselves in a better position, maybe not in 2024, but in 2025, 2026? I'd rather that they get hurt by their bad decisions. And, um, you know, again, for that, it's like, I give you the two, but I'm not going to give you more than that. So I I think that's the, um, I think that's kind of the reason why you limit it to two. And it's very few teams that use two. So I think that's okay. Uh, Max, would you trust Joe Douglas to trade up in the top 10 if a quarterback starts slipping? Um, that the organization is high on. I understand it's smart to always invest in quarterbacks, but I worry that he and Salah could be fired before the quarterback ever gets on the field. Um, That's a... So, it's a two-pronged question there. So, I have no problem with the Jets drafting a quarterback. I I would be happy if the Jets drafted a quarterback because Aaron Rodgers is not a long-term solution. Um, Aaron Rodgers, to me, is a one-year maybe. Uh, Maybe it'll be around two years, but I think it's a one-year maybe. Um, But would I trust him? And the answer to that is no. Um, I don't think Joe Douglas's track record is good enough to where you would say, okay, it makes sense for him to trade, let's say, a future number one pick, um, you know, to to bring a quarterback in. I I don't think that... um, that I would trust him to do it. But at the same time, you know, and this is why I wouldn't be against it, my thought process always on this stuff is guys that are graded in the first round are graded in the first round for a reason. And if we look historically at the draft, and this is one of the things that annoys me when people get annoyed with um, – you know, like, hey, I'm doing all this scouting and you're, you're telling me these numbers on the draft and you're screwing stuff up. Um, you know, you, you're just wrong, um, you know, because this guy is so different. He's, he's so unique. He's so this, he's so that, whatever. Um, they do good at their jobs, you know, on, you know, any normal year, the, the players in the first round are better than the players in the second round. The players in the second are better than the players in the third um, obviously, you get guys that fall through the cracks, but you know, players, quarterbacks that have a first round grade are traditionally far more successful than the quarterbacks with a two, three, four, five, six, seventh round grade. Now, you you may find players in the second round, you may find players in the fourth round or the fifth round that perform better than the first round picks, but you know that's out of 20 players that have a fourth round grade that one of them turns into like a big star. Whereas if we look at guys that have a first round grade, you know, maybe it's 50% of them or 40% of them have a productive NFL career. So if somebody has a, um, you know, a high grade and that's, that's kind of a universal thought, um, part of the thought process is, well, the league has placed this guy there. And, you know, investing in that quarterback, as you said, is important. So I, I can justify the trade from that standpoint. But uh, in terms of pigeonholing a next GM kind of thing, yeah, I I don't know if I'd really want Douglas to do that. But, um, you know, it, you should... I know I said this stuff with Bean before, too, but, I mean, you, you should be making moves with the thought process that I'm going to have the job next year, um, so if Joe Douglas thinks that it would be a smart move to trade a number one um, next year to 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 get a quarterback, I think I, I'd be okay with that. I think what you wouldn't want was you know, and I, I think this is more the thing with Bean, where you start making decisions that don't really even make sense, um, you know for you in the future. Um, you know, it's more just like I need to do whatever I can to save my job that if Joe Douglas went out there and was like, I'm going to give up my number 2 this year, my number 1 this year, my number 1 next year and a 3 next year to move up for a quarterback at number 10, like that doesn't make any sense because that that's just that's just throwing a prayer up there. Um, to where if Rogers goes bad, that Woody'll say, "Well, I got, I got a quarterback on the roster like that." You know, if, if you're making a trade that doesn't make sense within the context of NFL trades, um, you know, that, then I'd probably be against that. But uh, but no, I in no way, shape, or form would I be like, "Oh well, you know, he he knows exactly what he's doing, so I have a lot of confidence in him." Um, you know, identifying this quarterback. Uh, let's see. Michael has a question. I've seen multiple statements that are all over the place from the media about Jason Kelsey's cap situation and scenarios. Is it correct to say if he retires, the Eagles will June 1 him and I'll have 8.678 and 24 and another 16, 4 and 25? All right, let's pull up Kelsey. Jason Kelsey is my daughter's second favorite player behind Travis Kelsey. Um, okay, so. The way that his contract works right now is his contract is designed to basically allow him to retire and have the cap work out just like this. So what you see here, he has a base salary of 1.5, he has a signing bonus of 8.678, um, cap number works out to ten point one seven eight million. So that's essentially close to as low as it could go. Um at that point you would move that to a june one so they would carry him during free agency at uh, 10.1 and you have 8.678 million in cap charges in 2024. um then you would have deferred to 2025 exactly what you have there i believe yeah 16.438 million in 2025. so if he retires this is how his contract is set to play out now this is one of those contracts that they would actually physically carry until June 2nd. Um, Again, the the Eagles. uh, So, you know, the Eagles released uh, Kevin Byard this week and um, there was talk about, well, why didn't they June one them? The Eagles are already set with their June ones. They have contracts just like the saints that are already designed to be June ones. And I believe for them, that's Fletcher Cox. And I think Brandon Graham, So unless something changes, those guys are their post-June 1 designations. Jason Kelsey would be a, I'm retiring. Okay, well, we're just going to keep you on the active roster uh, for cap purposes. Um, Don't worry, you don't have to come to anything and no OTAs. Uh, But June 2nd rolls around and then we cut you. Because if they keep him on the roster by June 3rd, he's another one that he gets like a $60 million guarantee or something like that. Now, if he does not retire they have to ne- renegotiate this deal. Like he's not playing this year for 1.5. Um, you know, he'll play for probably like 15 or 14. That's what he earns every year. So you would see the prorated money change. Um, you know, let, let's say that you gave him a, uh, you know, I'll just make it easy. Let's say it's a 15, let's say it's a $60 million deal. Um, that's probably a little high, but you know, $15 million signing bonus, 3 million each year. So that twenty twenty five number that you see now is seven point two seven eight million in prorated, you know, that's gonna be about ten point three. And they would structure the contract the same way, where we'd have a minimum salary in twenty twenty-five, um, you know, to allow them to June one him. So you'd be looking then at uh, you know, ten point three million dead money in twenty twenty five, probably carrying him at um you Know, like 11.5 or so during free agency, and then deferring uh nine plus another like 18 million in cap charges to 2026. 20, so, you know, that if they want to keep pushing things with him, that's that's the way that that's going to work, but you're going to need to redo his deal. Um, if he's actually looking to uh to keep playing, so don't look at this as 2024 being an option. Um, you know, to play at a cap number of 10.178 and a salary of 1.5. No, that that's this is a pure placeholder contract to um, have in place in the event that he retires. It'll have to be totally renegotiated um, if he decides that he's going to come back again in uh, 2024. Alright, let's get into our Twitter questions here. Then we can call this a night. Alright. Alright, we can... All right, we've got a couple of questions here. Alright, let's scroll down to the bottom of this. John. Kevin, uh, how would you approach this? I don't know why this is more replies. How would you approach this off season? If you were Joe Douglas, who would you target slash resign? And how would you structure their contracts? Um, so in terms of structure on contracts, I think the jets have to structure anybody they sign, um, to have a potential to be traded next year. So, you know, one of the names that I mentioned was Mike Evans, and I, I would have some concerns with Mike Evans, um, Talking about players played, you know, Florida, Texas, you know, that you're playing, um, you know, pro careers in Florida, NFC South where you're playing a lot of domes. Um, you know, that that's a lot different, I think, than playing in the Northeast. That might worry me a little bit, but, uh, you know, he comes with a huge upside, um, you know, for what you expect to have. But, you know, you're, you're going to have to guarantee him two years worth of salary and you might be in a situation where you don't want him here next year because you're switching things around. So I think you have to structure his deal in a way that's tradable, um, whether that has to do with a, a later guaranteed option, uh, whether that has to do with uh, making sure there's no roster bonuses in there in, say, March, Um you you have to do something to structure the deal in a way that you might be able to trade it to another team um, the following year. And I I would say to do that with anybody that you sign. Um, I don't really have a lot of specific targets um, for them. Uh, I know Evans is one of the guys I mentioned. Uh, They need a wide receiver. And I I don't think the Jets need a wide receiver too. I think the Jets need a guy that... um, has potential to be wide receiver one where you're pairing that with Zach Wilson to where essentially you've got two number one guys and hope that the two um, can kind of coexist together. And I think you're trying to put together a very explosive offense. Um, And the reason that I like Evans is Evans is a guy that can, you know, open things up down the field a lot of times when uh, you know, Wilson does his other stuff. And Evans to me is a feast or famine kind of player like, he, he just has these games where he dominates. And I, I like having that kind of player, um, you know, because I can fill in the gaps with Wilson, um, you know, in all the other games. And, you know, Evans will give me three games a year where he's going to just be ridiculous. And you're probably going to win the games in large part because of the, the matchup that exists um, out there. Um obviously the the Jets need to bring in a left tackle um, you know if they go after someone like Tyron Smith I, I'd be okay with that because you, you you know there's high level potential there but if you do that you actually have to go out there and I think you have to go and sign um, you know a capable backup as well so it, it's almost like you you're baking in there two salaries Um you know, a veteran that's probably going to cost you anywhere from three to five that's capable of playing, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, Smith himself, um, you know, guard someone that you need. Um, you know, I, I think the, the, the name of the game for the Jets is, you know, completely retooling that offensive line and finding receivers, um, they can play along with Wilson, um, Probably need another running back as well. Just take some of the load off, but it, you know that that might depend a little bit on what your system is going to be, uh. Because I think if you have a healthy Rogers, I think that can open up a lot of stuff for Hall, even though it's um may end up being less carries, um. You know that 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 you can do there, uh. But you know, I I think that's um. You know, I I think that the thing is you you need flexibility to do stuff next year if you have to blow it up Um, and just filling those really important voids, um, you know, on the team. Ghost Vader, who will the Jets sign in free agency? Uh, Why is Usama still on the team? Why are the Jets not re-signing Huff? Uh, I don't know who they'll actually sign in free agency. Um, you know, I, I think you're going to hear names like Dotson and Zeitler and Onu um, and stuff like that, and I'm sure some of them will end up on the Jets. Smith, uh, Evans, um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of guys linked with the Jets, but I think it's going to be different than last year. I think that the the, the attraction of playing with Aaron Rodgers is not going to be the um, forefront of the discussion. I think it's going to be more along the lines of. Um, the Jets are offering me a a ton of money to come and play there because they're desperate to make the playoffs. Um, I don't know why Uzama is still on the team. Um, I I don't know why you would get rid of Tomlinson and, you know, not get rid of Uzama because there's no purpose in him being there at that salary number. I know he's a good locker room guy. Um, good locker room guys should be on the veterans minimum. Um... You know, there's no productivity, um, you know, at, at all there. And, you know, there there's some injury protection that probably comes into play for him, but that shouldn't impact releasing him. Um, Huff, you know, I think the Huff situation is a, I think there's a, a big difference opinion, of opinion on value. Um, I'm sure he's looking at 20, and I'm sure the Jets are not thinking that at all. I'm sure the Jets are thinking 15, 14, 13 and you know Huff is a player that if he gets a free agency it wouldn't surprise me if he signed for 20 it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't get a sniff and ends up signing at 10. Um he's a weird player. You know, he uh he plays 40% of the snaps. Um his sacks come from alignments a lot of teams are not going to use So, you know, I, I think that, um, I think the Jets could still bring him back. I think if they bring him back, it'll happen, um, during that open negotiating window or legal tampering window as Florio likes to call it. And, um, you know, that would begin next weekend, next Monday, something like that. Um, you know, as to, to when that open negotiating window, um, actually happens. So, um... You know, I, I think that would be the period, because that would be the period where he can they can go and actually talk specifics with other teams, and those other teams will indicate if the market that he foresees for himself really exists or not. Stafford season. Uh, explain the Rams cap situation. Um, what is there to really explain with the Rams? Where are they? They have $41 million in cap room? I mean... Um, I don't really know what what there is to go with. I mean, they they can create a lot more space if they want to restructure guys. I mean, I just put up the restructure option on our site. Like they can free up twenty million with Stafford, uh, nine million with Donald, twelve million with Cup, nine million with No Boom, seven million with Havenstein. Um, I wouldn't recommend doing any of that. You know, you know, you you use whatever space you want to, you know, use. Um, you know their their cap situation um you know is basically middle part of the league upper middle part of the league and um you know i think they got a lot of contributions from young guys last year and i don't think there's a reason for them to go nutty in free agency um you know obviously they're going to sign some players but uh You know, I I don't think they really need to tinker a lot with their numbers to to go out there and sign players. I think you can work with what you have and make sure you don't get into a situation that, you know, compromises you in the future. And um, I know you're probably thinking there's a a window with Stafford, um, but, you know, I I think you can work with who you have and, um, you know, kind of go from there. Uh, what kind of contract do you expect Tyron Smith to get? I think the Jets make sense. I do think the Jets make some sense there. This is from Butchie. Uh, I, I kind of feel... I, I think he's going to look for a lot of money. Um, I think he's going to end up getting, you know... A lot of money. You know, two years guaranteed. But, you know, 13, 14 a year, 12 a year... You know, in that ballpark, um, you know, a little over what Dwayne Brown got. Um, But I think the initial run in free agency, I think he's going to price himself like Trent Williams at like 22. Um, And I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's been too banged up for those kind of numbers to happen. Uh, You never say never in this, you know, when talking about the NFL stuff. Um, You know, things happen all the time. But, uh you know I, I think um sorry my camera's kind of falling here um i think uh you know he'll he'll be under that but i think you you you're, you're going to make a two year legitimate two year commitment to him uh scott elaborate how the cowboys picked up lance's option that was already guaranteed yeah that, that that's when you have people reporting on something where you're writing something and not really thinking about it um and I, I don't remember who made that statement. Um, and it might be somebody who knows and may, you know, you, it's just, you, you're just not thinking you just write those things. Um, yeah, it was pretty funny to, to read, um, you know, the, the Cowboys are not picking up Lance, Lance's option, but they are picking up his roster bonus. It's like, well, yeah, his roster bonus is guaranteed. Like what, what, what choice do they have? Of course they own the money. Um, So I I think that that was uh, just a a misunderstanding from the person who wrote about it or not thinking when you write and you just write something that really ends up being incredibly kind of stupid for anybody that knows anything about the contract stuff. But as a headline, I saw it pop up all over the place that they're, they're opting into his roster bonus for the year. It's like, what? So, you know, if you... If you're all these different outlets and you want to pick up on that, you know, more power to you, but uh, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, John Bradley Green, do you have any big-name free agent signing predictions and contract amounts? I saw your podcast, uh, clip of Mike Evans headed to the Jets. Um, so w- we do have a whole, you know, free, ra- uh, free agent ranking section. Oh, it looks like I got logged out, so I'm not even going to bother trying to log back in. Um, you know, it, it's a... Uh, we, we we have those those players there. So we we have the top 60 players. I think I added like another three guys this week. I, I meant to add more. And um, I got so caught up in the, the different releases and, um, you know, adjustments and all, all these other things that I just didn't get around to doing it. Um, and I, I'll probably have a couple others. But, you know, if, if you um, subscribe on it, we do have those, um, you know values that are there but in in terms of signing predictions no i i don't usually go like crazy with that you know the, the the thing i mentioned in the podcast about evans with the jets i actually thought the the real interesting fit for evans would be with the dallas cowboys um i don't think dallas wants to pay uh and dallas has never been that active in free agency but and i i don't think they want to go down the route of having you know evans at like 23 and um uh CD Lamb at, like, 27 or 28, um, you know, at the same time. You know, in the Jets' case, what, what I like about the Jets' fit with that is even though Wilson is going to look for an extension after this upcoming season, you can delay that, and even if you don't, you can stagger the impact between Evans and Wilson um, just because of the timing of it. The Cowboys can't really do that with uh, CD Lamb. But I thought from a, a standpoint of how he would play there, ways that they could fit him in that offense and just having that, you know, that big game threat, I thought he made a lot of sense for Dallas. Um, you know, if they really were all in, which Jerry said, but they're all in is he's just saying all in with no inkling of what all in even means. Um, you know, that that'd be the case, but I, I, I don't usually get too much into the, the, the business of saying like, well, you know, this guy should go here or this guy's gonna go there and you know you know that that doesn't go with me um too much. But uh yeah, the we, we do have rankings for a lot of those players. Uh I think I have Kirk Cousins number one on the board, uh Chris Jones number two. Uh maybe Brian Burns at number three. Um I have to think about that, but um, yeah, but we we do have those on there. Uh, Clark Hunt cash spending compared to the other contenders in the past ten years. I don't have that in front of me. Um, You know, to pull that up, uh, you know, and and it's hard to say where you are going back in time. You you can only compare to what teams spend now. Um, The Chiefs are one of the lowest spending teams in the league. I mean, most years the Chiefs payroll is going to be. 32, 30, 28, 27, 25. Um, you know, they're, they're just one of the lowest spenders. Uh, there's no way around that. Um, you know, they're, they're a incredibly well-run organization. And I think they proved that before Mahomes was even there, that they're just, they're a really well-run organization. Um, but if you don't have Mahomes on that team they are not going to make the investments that are probably necessary to um, get you past a certain level. Uh, it It's really not much different than the Patriots. Um, you know, the Patriots have been a lower spending team um, through the years. And, you know, when you had Tom Brady on that team, the lower spending was not an issue. Um, you know, you, you got by just by Brady being that good. And, you know, using the presence of Brady in many ways to sign a lot of veteran players that could still play, but getting them to, um, you know, kind of take pay cuts, uh, as to their expectation level, um, you know, to go to New England. I don't think Kansas City does that part of it. Um, I think Kansas City is just very calculated with the way they spend their money and how they budget everything, um... But yeah, I think if you you went over a ten year period, and you looked at spending relative to the rest of the league, I am sure that you know they're going to be pretty low. And a lot of the teams that have done well, with the exception of the Patriots, are probably going to be a little bit higher in there. But you know, the the, the interesting thing when you you do look at things that way, it is um, how successful have teams been over. Um, you know, a longer period of time. So one of the things that I did this week, and, you know, of course you get a bunch of comments, um, you know, people just saying, you know, well, this scoring system is stupid. It's like, look, it's a, it's a throwaway post on Twitter. Uh, let me see if I can dig it up. I'm just going to run through my own timeline of junk that I've put up there. So here you go. Um, so here's playoff success versus cash spending over the past five years. So basically, what I did for this was, um, if you made the wild card round, you got one point. That, that's if you you didn't make it past the wild card round. I think it was four points if you made it to the division round, but you lost there. Eight points if you were a uh, conference champion loser. Thirteen points for a Super Bowl loss. Twenty for a Super Bowl win. Something like that. And you know, you can see here. Um, you know, if you if you're following along, if not, just go on Twitter. and Look on my uh, profile. And you'll see a little uh, chart that's there. Um, You can see that for the most part, the teams that have spent money have been more successful in the playoffs overall um, than the teams that haven't spent money, uh, with the exception of the Kansas City Chiefs, who are just ridiculous, um, you know, with the, the, the amount that they've spent and how successful they've been with the multiple Super Bowl championships and everything else. Um, Now, I I think one of the differences is if you look over the long term at some of these teams, um, you'll probably see, you know, if you want to get into the the financial kind of terms with a lot of volatility. Um, You know, Kansas City has not been volatile. San Francisco hasn't been too volatile. And, you know, Buffalo, for the most part, hasn't been. But, you know, Tampa Bay, it was a period of success. and And I know this year they were successful, but that was... Um that was frankly success in a bad division. So I, I think when you look at teams like um, Tampa, um, you get a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Uh, I think if you look at Baltimore, they really haven't had big lows, but you haven't really had like super highs either. Uh, you know, Tennessee has had some really good and really bad years. Uh, Green Bay probably falls a little bit into that category at times as well. Uh, the Rams, who have been below average, uh, in large part because of the way that they cut this year, you know that that's a team that's been in that same that same kind of boat, right? We've we've had some years where you've been incredibly successful in the playoffs, and then you've had some years where you struggled a little bit. So you know, I, I think that's um, you know you you do see a little bit of volatility from some of those teams that do go a little overboard with spending. And San Francisco, you might see that two years from now. Um, you know, and then you, you've got some other teams like Dallas is pretty consistent. Um, Cleveland, New Orleans, kind of consistent. I wouldn't say successful, but they're, you know, um, they, they, they've bought themselves into a level of contention without being a playoff successful team. Um, if that makes any sense. But, uh, you know, the the Chiefs, I mean, the, the people get annoyed when you say they, they don't spend money. It's like, I don't know what there is to get annoyed about. I mean, the the numbers are the numbers. Facts are the facts. They don't. And, you know, that they've got the greatest quarterback of this generation, and that goes a long way. Uh, Subby, what does second-tier wideout contracts look like now? Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell... Um, so I think all those players are going to look for, even though you're saying it is um, second-tier value, I think most of those players are going to be looking for $21, $22 million a year, which doesn't feel second-tier, right? But I, I think that's probably where they'll be because Mike Williams got $20 million a year. So... Maybe they won't get the guarantees of the A.J. Browns, right? You know, those guys are on contracts that are four or five years in length. Um, You know, the Mike Williams deal was two years guaranteed on a three-year contract. So you you might have those contracts kind of fall into that bucket to where the the cash payouts up front are a little bit lower. Um, But pricing-wise, I mean, 22, 23, which is going to be right near the top of you know, all these different names. Um, I don't know what Reddick's value is. You know, that that I I, I'm sure he's looking for a lot of money. Um you know, and I'm sure the Eagles, this is why they gave him permission to seek a trade. It's like they they can't justify going into someone who's thirty years old and doing another big deal with them. Um you know, I'm sure he's looking for 20 and, you know, he can try and look to see what Hunter gets or something like that. But um, my my thought on all these older rushers is just that, you know, you look and I, and I know Chandler Jones and Von Miller are both a couple years older than this. Um, but I almost feel like you look at those players and you look at how bad those things turned out and you're like, I can't do these deals with these guys who are 31, you know, 30, 31 years old and say I'm going to pay them $20 million a year. You know, you you have a lot of older rushers that have been willing to sign for 12 and under. And it's like that's probably more, um, you know, what what the market should be, um, you know, versus jumping up. Matthew, uh, with the Bears and Jalen Johnson contract talks heating up, this should be a good time to front-load a long-term deal. I know typically an organization shouldn't front-load, but with the added cap, is this a good time for one? Um, man, that, 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 that whole contract thing is very interesting there um, with what they decide to do. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with front-loading a contract. Um, I think if you are a team that has a lot of salary cap space and doesn't think they can use it. I think there's more value in front-loading the contract of a player and having him at reasonable numbers um, versus just carrying the money over. E- even though those two things end up probably you know, netting out equal, I, I think... You know, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is a perfect example of that. If Jimmy Garoppolo has, and, and I know that the the market exploded after he signed, um, you know, the deal that he did with San Francisco around $27, $28 million a year, I think is what that number was, and he was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL when he signed that deal. You know, he was, held that distinction for like two weeks. Yeah. Um, They front-loaded that contract. I think it's much easier to sell um, to your fan base or year-over-year that you've got your quarterback at cap charges of, you know, 18 a year, 20 a year, whatever his numbers were, um, especially considering he's, you know, a little bit above-average kind of player, than having a... What looks like a better cap situation because maybe of all that carryover in one specific year, but having Jimmy Garoppolo at a thirty-four million dollar cap charge because then it's like, man, why do we have Jimmy Garoppolo at thirty-four million a year? Um, you know, how are you going to get better that way? So, I think that's a good use of cap space. the 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 other reason is that I, I think sometimes you're better off. Um, utilizing your cap space in a constructive way. And I consider that a constructive use of cap space versus saying, well, you know, if, if we, we keep this player at 20, you know, again, using the Garoppolo example, you know, if we keep him at 20, you know, we can bring in two guys that make 6 million bucks a year. And it's like, it's probably the, those guys are probably not going to make a difference for you. Um, so I, I think that would be okay for them to do, especially at that position, to be honest. Um, You know, the way that position breaks down, uh, you know, he might be an effective player, effective enough if he's sitting there at a cap charge and a a contract value at some point of, say, $10 million a year versus, you know, 20-something million dollars a year. You know, like the Xavier Howard kind of stuff, Um, you know, so I, I, I could see the logic in them structuring things that way. Uh, Michael, CBA, uh, states with trades, acceleration doesn't take place until a player's contract is assigned to the receiving team. Trade could happen before the draft. A player to be named after June 1 and treated like a post-June 1, correct or no? Um, no. Um, you could not execute the trade because at that point he would be assigned to the other team uh with a player to be named later you would if you wanted to get the june one treatment um the way that you would have to do it is and it, it, it it's no different than when you see trades like when um you know sam bradford um was it bradford that was traded to the cardinals no, no, that, that that happened on the first day of free agency. Those, those all came out of nowhere. Bradford, and they, I remember, it broke the website. It was like Bradford and Jimmy Graham and stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to remember which quarterbacks. It um, wasn't Carr because he got cut. There were a couple quarterbacks. Um, yeah, I'm just not thinking of the names. Wilson maybe was one of them. Um, there were a couple of guys who got traded beforehand. It would be similar to the guys who get traded before the start of free agency. Maybe Nick Foles was another one. Um, Where the way that it works is you agree to a trade, everybody reports on it, okay? And you don't execute the trade until a certain date. So it would be the equivalent of like, I don't know whatever let's let's say you want to trade A.J. Brown you know on the Eagles or whatever there and you you wanted to wait until post-June 1 um you would make an agreement to say I'm going to trade A.J. Brown to this team for a 2025 number one draft pick and um I don't know whatever whatever player you want to throw in there just uh you know league average wide receiver you know something like that um you would, uh, you know, have it out there and it would be reported on everywhere. And you would wait until June 2nd to execute the trade, at which point A.J. Brown would be assigned to the new team, whatever random player would be assigned to the Eagles. But uh, you can't do the trade um, before June 1st and then expect the June 1 treatment. So you you would actually have to wait to submit that to the league um you know to to assign the player as it's put in the CBA um you know to the other team by doing that trade after June 2nd but you would agree to it beforehand and that that's why you see this year we don't have it but you know you'll you'll see trades agreed to second week of february and you know I remember the first year where that happened uh with OTC I didn't process any of the trades and it was like, well, this is the way the cap hits work right now. And then finally it was like, all right, everybody's reporting it as a done deal. I'm getting so many questions about it. I'm just going to move these players to the new team. And then if something falls through, I'll go back and change it. Um, but originally I used to wait with it, and but it became too, too difficult. So it would be the same. It, it's the same kind of situation. Peter. Uh, what's the latest uh the Vikings can push back Kirk Cousins Void date? Uh you can it's already the latest date. It's the last day of the league year. You can't push a void date into the new league year. Uh Rick, is Alvin Kamara staying with the Saints? I would think no. Um I still have them up here. So he's set to earn eleven two, eleven seven on the year. Um there is 17 17-2 dead um you know he's another one like Marcus May it might be one of those situations where that increase in cap allows them to do something with him um i think they should move on I, my guess is they're going to try and negotiate a pay cut and uh keep him for another year on a uh, lower contract so yeah i get i guess if i if i had to put money on it i would probably say he stays with the saints uh, Brian, how much of the commanders actually required to spend in cash this year to meet their three-year total? The number I came up with was just under 206. Um, I'd have to look at that. I, I don't even know what those numbers are. Um, none of these teams ever have a problem with it. Uh, Washington's payroll has been on the lower end, but I, I don't think it's so low that there's an issue there. Remember, the the other thing is... Even if you have these low payrolls and you know you, you have the, the bucket that you have to pay in, and I'm I, off the top of my head, I don't even remember what the those years are. Um, you have until March of 2025 um, to execute contracts that would impact 2024 cash spending. The way that it works from a league perspective is let, let's say that I went in there, I'll, I'll use. The Saints as an example, just because they're, they're open. So let's say that, uh, the Saints convert Ramcheck's salary. So they're going to convert about a little more than 15 million, um, you know, into a signing bonus that actually would count as cash paid on the 2023 league year. So if we're talking about next year, if that's the end of the spending period, um, they could take a player on their team, restructure their contract, and that cash would count towards 2024. Even though we would look at that as cash for 2025, um, from the perspective of uh, spending in the league, they would attribute that to the season before. So that that's actually one of the difficulties that I have with um, tracking those numbers, because I, I don't date the the transactions on the restructures, but... The restructures that happen before the start of the league year actually get attributed to the prior league year. It's a big whiff by the player side. it's a it's basically a loophole to allow owners an extra year um, you know to, to get their spending numbers there. and quite frankly, nobody's really been that close on the spending. the spending limits they have have no teeth to them at all. Steven, could the Jets have the Brees his third season rip up his fourth year of the rookie contract give him an extension uh, this way they take advantage of the running back window before he hits twenty eight and give him a raise to avoid the common tag and play that happens to most running backs um, you wouldn't rip it up he would he would honor it uh, whatever that salary is in that um, that final year um, you know he would have to honor it he would just have it baked into the contract so in other words it, it would be a, a contract that would be um, in a sense, let's say you sign him to a four-year extension, let's just say fifteen million dollars a year. Trust me, I'm not telling them to do that. I think that would be absurd. Um, but basically, the way the deal would work out is you would have fifteen million dollars a year plus the one point nine million in salaries old, so it would be five years for uh, sixty-two million dollars is the, the way that would work out. So the Jets could do that. I would not advise it. Um, you know, I think if Rodgers is legitimately healthy. I think that uh, Hall has that ability to have that Jonathan Taylor um, season where Taylor had like what was it 16, 1,800 rushing yards. I, I know it's going to be like, oh, I got to keep him, got to keep him, got to keep him. If that happens, don't, don't extend. It, it just it doesn't pay. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to do it. But uh, you know, in, in terms of how how it works. Yeah, they, they, they can do that after the third year. Jacob, a player like Josh Jacobs has bonuses as part of his contract. Does the prior year salary for purposes of the franchise tag include the amounts for any bonuses not earned? Uh, like per game roster bonuses, simply proposed uh, Jacob's prior year salary, 11,791 or 11,391? 11, oh, that's a good question. Um, I'd have to actually look at the official wording that's in there. But I, I believe it's based on the base value. Um of that deal, uh, I, would I, have to look. I'm, I'm actually not a hundred percent sure off the top of my head on that, that question. Um, but I, I, think the 120 is based on the, um, I think it's based on the full structure of that contract, not the likely to be earned portion of it, um, or actually earned portion of it when it comes to the per game stuff. I, I think it's just based on the, uh, the number, but again, um, I'm not 100% sure, that's a a good question. I'll I'll try to look that up. Um, Oh, that reminds me. I did have a question that actually came from YouTube last week, and I didn't answer it on YouTube. Um, Let's see. Let's see what we've got here. Um, Let's see if I can dig it up. I'll probably start playing. All right. Balancing boredom. Curious what your thoughts are on teams giving themselves a one-in-five-year, once-in-a-decade allowance for drafting an unconventional slash unfavorable type of player in the first round. Example, uh, team drafting Jackson Powers, Johnson, the Oregon center. In the first round, as long as they pinky promise, the next four drafts will only take a wide receiver, left tackle, edge, quarterback in the first round. Uh, Read more. Only asked because a lot of top people in various fields do certain rules to aid their decision-making or only, normally give themselves it's a okay to break the rules as long as you do it very rarely, get out of jail free card. Example, uh, Warren Buffett. Um, many thanks for an interesting podcast. Um, response on that, I would disagree with a center being a good first-round pick, but I digress. Uh, they're right that they do typically have a uh, decent hit rate, but... Um, Yeah, so, um, yeah, sorry, I had to go grab another one, um, yeah, I, I think that that's okay, um, you know, I, I think, look, you, you can't always go by the numbers when it comes to the NFL stuff, even though, you know, I'm going to say we should go by the numbers most of the time, there are times when you're going to have to go out there, you're going to have to take risks, you're going to have to think a little different than, um, you know, everybody else. And, you know, I, I think if there is one of those guys, if you're going to do that, um, you know, if you're going to go out there and you're going to do something that is a little bit out of the norm, I think you have to go and, um, try to fix that as best you can by saying, look, this is our one time where we're going to do this, you know, whether that's trading up for a player, uh, whether that's taking like kind of an oddball position. Uh, where, you know, you look at it and go, okay, in the second round, we're definitely not doing anything crazy and we promise, you know, the next, uh, you know, three, four, five years or whatever it might be, um, you know, that, that we'll do stuff kind of normal. Um, I think that that is a, uh, that's a fair way to to kind of approach doing one of those kind of out of the box um, kind of draft picks, but I don't know how many teams would actually follow through on that. But, um, you know, I, I think that's that's realistic as a way to do that. And, um, you know, the, the only thing that I would say is when you do look, at, I think, in the field of like, um, like finance, um, you know, you're looking at like a Warren Buffett or something like that, I think a lot of times when they're saying they're going to do that, um, you're looking at something that is a high-risk, high-reward proposition. Um, I don't think there's a way to spin a center ever as a high-reward proposition. And this comes from someone who loved Nick Mangold and before that Kevin Mowai. Um I don't know if you can look at that as a high-reward proposition. Like... If I look at a linebacker, if I look at a typical defensive tackle, safety, um, it's one in a million chance on a tight end, uh, but like a guard, a right tackle, um, probably even a left tackle. Um, Left tackle is just bad availability. But... uh, you know i don't know if i'm looking at a lot of those those positions as potential high reward positions so that 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 is the one difference with it it's like okay i am making a non conventional bet by going into a center and that center might be terrific is there a scenario that i can envision to where if that center hits, it's the equivalent of making millions of dollars on an investment. I don't think the answer to that is yes, um, but just just in terms of um, you know a, a strategy or whatever. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think with um, with what you said there. All right, let's see. Last set of questions here. Salt McGriddle, will you keep writing the same article about the Saints' salary cap multiple times a year in perpetuity? Um, probably, because they're going to keep doing it. Um, you know, I, I people get annoyed with it. It's like you, you bring up the Saints, and it's like, well, they get out of it every year. Anybody can get out of it. You know, people ask me, how do they get out of it? Well, this is how they get out of it. What do they do? Exactly what I said. Why? Because there's no other options. There's no magic to it there's no um ingenuity to it there's nothing there's nothing that's being done that is creative there's nothing that's being done where you're like oh yeah you know that that's something very different um it's just trying to deal with whatever and you know if you're a saints fan and you are happy with every year being kind of on the cusp of playoff you know a playoff berth and just not getting there you know more power to you if that's that's what you're cool with um that's fine you know I I would rather um have that potential of a bad year knowing that you know that there is some kind of bright future for me versus just doing the same thing over and over and over again and getting worse every single year um but, you know, that, that's just my opinion on it. But yeah, I, I will continue to write about the Saints. And um, I don't think that you can argue the point that the Saints have not been... With all the money that they've spent and the way they keep pushing things, I don't know how you could make the argument like, yeah, the, the Saints are doing the right thing. I, I just don't see how that, that could be the argument. Um you know, but yeah, who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll do good this year. Uh, let's see what this is. Who is your daddy? What does he do? Uh, how many mozzarella sticks could you eat in one sitting? Um, I don't know. That's a that's a good question. I, I would guess quite a lot. Um, I do have big appetite, but I don't know. Um, I don't really know that answer. <laughs> How many I could actually sit there and uh, you know eat at one time. Good question. Uh, Stefan or Steven Peterson? Um, non-football. No, you had uh, Nelly the bunny. Uh, might you have any other pets? Nope, that was it. Uh, we've had some fish, uh, but my fish tank right now sits empty. Um, I don't know if anyone really considers fish pets, but um, no, Nelly was the, uh, the only pet that we had. Uh, with uh, same person. Uh, with rookie contracts already being figured out for the most part. Why is it such a big deal that Caleb doesn't have any representation? Um, it's really not. It, people make a bigger deal of that than it needs to be. Um, look, there's value. Um, you know, to having people represent you during the draft process. Some of it has to do with preparation. Some of it has to do with like how do you do all your training and setting you up for that and doing prep for interviews and how you're going to tackle the combine and drills on your pro day and your own, um, you know, all all that kind of stuff. It's not like there's no value to that. There, there is a value to it. But when, when you're considered, you know, the top pick in the draft and there's little that's going to change that, you know, is what it is, um, you know, and I, I don't even pay attention anymore to uh, what rookies do or don't represent themselves. I think the next thing comes from when you do that second contract. Um, you know, do you wanna rep yourself or, you know, do you wanna sign with someone who's a top pick like that? You know, you're signing with athletes first, you're signing with CAA, you're signing with Clutch, you know, one one of those bigger groups. Um You know, I I think that's the question more that you look at versus that rookie period. Um, You know, again, I I think the representation aspect is important for players, depending on where their their draft slot is. Um, You know, but if you're slotted, you know, number one overall or top five or something like that, um, you know, you, you can probably get away with not having an agent. Uh, John, do you see the details on the cap adjustment figures or just the totals for each team? Uh, no, I, I don't know the details. If you mean, like, why did this team, you know, get this? You know, most of the time it's per game bonuses. That's due with incentives. Um, sometimes it's signing bonus refunds. Um, you know, all those things. I don't know the breakdown of that stuff. We, we track it as best we can. Um, and... Most years, I actually put up my own estimates. I didn't do it this year. I don't really know why. I just didn't bother doing it. Um, but I just get the totals for the teams. Uh, let's see. Um, D, should the Ravens bring back OBJ for anything more than $5 million? No. I don't know why they would bring him back at all. Um, he's a name. You know, it, that, that was one of the dumbest contracts um, I can imagine. Like, the... The guys that that negotiated that deal for Beckham should have been doing backflips the minute the Ravens agreed to that nonsense. Um, I think Beckham is one of those players where he's probably expecting a lot, and so you're probably looking at someone who's more of a mid-year signing, I think, than uh, anything else. You you would be crazy to pay him anything significant. I mean, he's a name at this point. Uh, Nothing more, nothing less. Christopher, who is the most famous celebrity you ever met? Um... You know, obviously I mentioned about Peter King before. Um... I don't know. Um... I don't think I met too many people that would be considered, like, really famous famous. Um... Famous celebrity. I'm trying to think. Um... I did meet Weird Al Yankovic once. Um... He's pretty famous. Uh... Football-related, Mark Gastineau. Um... I'm trying to think if there are I, I, I can't really think of anyone, uh, the wrestler Kurt Angle. I met him once. Um, you know, he's, uh, pretty famous, I guess. Um, I, but I, I, I can't think of too many, like, famous people that I've really met. Um, most of them have just been in, if anyone, even remotely, most of those names just in passing. Um, so if it's actually talking to someone, it's probably Peter King, um, uh, David, uh, who should be cut, but won't this off season who will most likely get overpaid in free agency? Um, so overpaid in free agency. And that, that's a good question. Um, he won't get the free agency. It would be Burns if Burns got the free agency. Um, and maybe you include in that a a contract with Carolina but I think that's the guy that has the potential to probably earn significantly more than he's really worth on the field I think there's a lot of uh, inconsistency with his play Um, you know and that would would be the guy uh, who should be cut but won't I don't know there's going to be a number of players like that like you know, like, either Khalil Mack or Joey Bosa should be traded. I can't say cut, but, you know, they should be traded. They probably won't be. You know, they'll probably run it back with those guys. Um, I don't know what the Seahawks are thinking. You know, Tyler Lockett is someone that probably should go. He's going to remain, um, He or he might remain. But again, that that's more of a trade scenario. Um, you know, Kamara that we mentioned, you know, if they come to a a different agreement with him, you know, that, that might be a player who sticks that probably should go. Um, you know, so I, I think it's a couple of players like that, but, uh, I think for the most part, I, I think the league is usually pretty good with not going crazy with the guys that they should cut and end up keeping, um... You know, let, let me pull up the transactions table real quick. Let's see if there's anybody I see that has a, a big cap savings that maybe won't go. Um, you know, again, Buckner, DeForest Buckner, I think he make a case for trading him. Pretty confident Mike Williams will be cut. Cam uh, Robinson probably will be cut. Um... You know, Cam Jordan, they, they couldn't cut him. They didn't really have a choice um, there. Grady Jarrett, I think that's a player that probably should be cut, who won't be cut. Um, I, I don't really understand the purpose of why they extended him in the first place. Um, I'm assuming Harrison Smith will be cut, Jimmy Garoppolo will be cut. C.J. Mosley, I think you make an argument that he's a player who should be... Redone his deal Um, might not be Um, just getting lower in the numbers here. Any of the Broncos receivers who make it through, I think you make an argument for all those guys. They should be cut. Um, Baker the Dolphins. Those names stand out: Stanley and the Ravens. I think that's a that's one that you consider. It's been hurt a lot. Um, you know, uh, Jake to develop quarterbacks or not develop. That's the question. No, you always are developing quarterbacks. Um, Tony, will the Chiefs give Mahomes a pay raise after 2027? Um, let me look at his contract in 2027. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I I think I mentioned that last week. So I think the way the contract is structured at the moment, and you know whenever there's going to be belly aching about the salaries and that they need to move up, they'll they'll take money from thirty and thirty one. Um, it, it's pretty com uh, pretty clear that twenty twenty eight, um, while well, they'll honor some of that money that's in there, um, that's the that's the time frame for where it it becomes like, realistic, like, okay, we, we need to redo this deal because we don't have money we can move forward anymore to make the deal make sense. Um, we, we need to add salary to the contract. So that that's when that will happen. So absolutely, that'll happen. Uh, Fantasy Tomlin, what would be a fair price for Fields? Do you think the Steelers should pay? Um, I think right now, I, I think the fair price for Fields is a second-round pick. Uh, with the ability of that second rounder to become a number one. Um, often the way that that works is you would get a number two in the 2024 draft. And if you hit certain thresholds, you would get that team's number one in the 2025 draft. And in return, you would give them your number two. So I, I think that's probably what the conditionals would look like on a trade like that. Um Yeah, the the Steelers, I mean, they could be a team that's in the market for that. Um, You know, they need a quarterback. And um, if that's what they want to do, you know, go for it. Um, What team are you most intrigued in this next free agency? Good question. Um, So I'm I'm actually really intrigued by uh, both New England and Washington. Um, They have a lot of space. New England typically doesn't spend money, but the last time they had cap room, they did. You're looking to kind of overcome the Belichick shadow. So, you know, it's like, do they or don't they this year? Washington, you've got the ownership question. Um, You know, so I I think both of those teams are really interesting with what they spend this year. I think the other two teams that I'd be interested in as I I move down uh, in terms of projected cap room at the moment are the Vikings and the Jets. And with the Vikings, it's the, you know, do you double down on uh, Cousins and um, Hunter? Create a bunch of cap room by doing some kind of deals with them now, you know, deferring those dead money charges and, you know, finding ways to add to the team in free agency and seeing if you can do something with this, you know, exact same team that really hasn't been able to get anywhere. Um, And the Jets... With kind of the stuff I talked about before, you know, it's that one year with Aaron Rodgers. Can they just go wild with spending? So, I think those are the four teams that uh, I'd be most interested in this year. Brian, what position independent players should the Chiefs be drafting in the first round? Um, I think they probably need to stockpile uh, receivers. Um I, I would think that that is the position that you'd be looking at because they just don't have enough talent there. So I think you you just continuously look for guys that can play at that position. Uh, Wade, Leglius Cousins contract structure if he stays in Minnesota? Um, you know, I, I think he would probably do a two-year deal. You know, let's call it two for 80 with... Most of it guaranteed at signing, maybe all of it guaranteed at signing. You know, I, I think that's that's kind of what um, you know he'd be looking at. Um, you know, and that, that's another thing. People have been making this big deal. Like um, I think Florio put it out there. Like his run of fully guaranteed contracts has come to an end. His last contract was not fully guaranteed. You know, the last contract that he did with Minnesota um, was it was all injury guaranteed. It wasn't fully guaranteed. He had to be on the roster on a certain date. So, you know, it's not like, um, you know, that, you know, that, that would be something new. Um, you know, Cousins, let me, let me see if I have his stuff up there. So yeah, his 2023 salary, um, roster bone. Oh, they, they, they converted that, um, I think his salary became guaranteed. That, but the, all that stuff was, um, you know, not fully guaranteed at signing. It was uh, injury guaranteed. Now, it, it was a funky contract uh, because they had multiple years on the deal. Um, yeah, you know, but it wasn't all fully guaranteed at signing. Uh, as more quarterbacks sign relatively expensive deals, how will front offices view the comparative advantage of a rookie quarterback contract? Once two at Baker Lawrence and Love Sign, you'll have around 1820 guys at 35 plus million dollar contracts, counting for large dead cap hits. Um I I don't know, you know, the the, the point that I made years ago. Um, I'd have to look up to see when it was, but I am gonna say 2014, 2015 time frame. My theory was that the the quarterback position should have been a position that was looked at as you draft a guy. That guy is going to be your quarterback for four or five years, depending on if you, you know, how you view that option year. Um, and at some point during those five years, unless the guy proves himself to be a special player, and you know, at that time frame, your special players were guys like, um, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, um, I think you could throw Russell Wilson into the mix from that time frame. Like, those are your guys that were your look like your special players um, that you would go in there. Otherwise, you know, if you had any of the other their players, and you know, after two or three years in the league, you would draft another quarterback. And the way the cycle made the most sense for trying to compete in the NFL was. I'm going to take my players and I'm going to, I'll run their rookie contracts out and I'll tag and trade or I'll trade them in their option year, or whatever. And I will have another young quarterback to try to slot in, um, you know, for that player. And I still think, you know, eight, nine, 10 years later than whenever I first made that point, um, I still think that holds true. No, Nobody really does it. Um, you know, maybe the Eagles did it to some extent with Jalen Hurts, but, um, you know, when, when they drafted him. But, um, you know, I, I think that uh, that is more the process that teams should be looking at versus we draft a guy and because he's adequate, we keep him. Like, if you look at the... Um, the way the dead money numbers for quarterbacks have, has grown, um, excuse me, in many ways, astronomically, right. With the uh, failures of Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, even though Jared Goff has had this rebirth in, um, Detroit, but you know, players like that, what you see with Daniel Jones right now in New York, possibly what you may be seeing with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, uh, Kyler Murray possibly in Arizona, Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, where you know you're you're making these gigantic investments in players that are not superstars. You're putting yourself in a negative position for competing against Patrick Mahomes, who you know is a legitimate superstar, and you make as much or more money per year than Patrick Mahomes. So, um. I I think that is um, that's the real lay of the land, and I think that is how front offices should view it. But I I think as, as it comes back to you know what I mentioned about being before, where you you're just so into um what does the most to make sure I have job security this year, and I think will give me job security next year it's probably just doubling down on the player that you have and not trying to think out of the box and replace that player. It's like, you know, how do I sell to my owner, you know, using Justin Fields as an example, let, let's assume the Bears don't have the number one pick in the draft. Um, you know, how do I sell to my owner that there is a benefit for us to move on from Justin Fields to bring back a number two um, while at the same time drafting a quarterback, say number five overall, um, you know, and using all that money that we're going to save on what would be a Justin Fields extension at, say, 42, 43 a year to put a better roster around this rookie quarterback. Um, you know, I think a lot of owners would be like, well, why aren't you just keeping Fields? So, um, you know, I, I think. I think if you really looked at it from a, a more analytical standpoint, you would be of the impression that your quarterback should be a four-year player. um, Not more than that. And you should be looking to supplement that player during those four years where he's your starter. And if he happens to be that special level player, resign him. But if he's not, you know, if he is, um, you know, let, let's just pull up the top contracts here at quarterback. So you've got Burrow, Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Stafford, Prescott, Daniel Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, uh, Kirk Cousins. That's our 35-plus. So, I mean, if we're, we're looking at 35-plus um, – You know, I'm looking at these names and I'm going, what's the point of Kirk Cousins? What is the point of Derek Carr? What is the point of Daniel Jones? Um, You know, I mentioned it with Dak Prescott a couple weeks ago when I said, you know, he's probably going to be the first $60 million a year quarterback. It's like, you couldn't win with Dak Prescott at 40. What makes you think with Dak Prescott at four or five years old, you're going to win with him at 60? You know, Deshaun Watson, you know, Kyler Murray. Um, Wilson, obviously, and I I think Jalen Hurts right now might fit in that same category. It's like, I'm looking at those deals and saying, well, where would you be better off? Would you be better off with Kyler Murray at 46? Or would you be better off with having traded Kyler Murray for two number ones to another team, let them sign him for whatever, and you go back in the draft and you draft somebody, um, you know, and I I think it's a I think it's a tough thing for teams to grapple with, but I think from a logical standpoint, that's where you have to look. And I, I think when you go through these high priced quarterbacks through the years, and you try to find who's successful, um, you know, this whole list of players that you you see if you're following along on YouTube or just those players that I mentioned uh, before, I have a feeling that with the current constructions of these teams and everything else, you're going to look at all these high price players and your success stories are going to be Mahomes and maybe Josh Allen, if he can overcome the, um, you know, the, whatever the, the nonsense is of continuously chasing these, you know, couple of guys. I don't think it's going to be Burrow. I don't think it's going to be Herbert. And they're both terrific players, Herbert, especially. Um, I don't think it's going to be Jackson. I, I think there's a ceiling that, that exists there um you know i i don't think it's going to be these other guys um you know it's not going to be prescott it's not going to be jones it's not going to be carr probably not going to be rodgers um probably not even going to be stafford um you know and stafford you know and, and they're a little bit lower on the salary scale so that there is a little bit of an advantage on those guys on those contracts but um you know i i think you're going to you know, if you take that step back and you take that objective look and you you say, well, this is the what if scenario. I think the what if on a lot of those players is probably a, a better what if scenario if you go in a different direction. All right, last uh, question, Survivor Super Fun Time Show. Uh, what's a realistic new contract for Reddick on the Eagles, considering he doesn't have a lot of leverage and likely will return? Um, I think they just let him play out the year as is, and then they, they figure out something in December. Um, I don't think it would be an extension. I think it would be a way to kind of try to defer more dead money. I think the Eagles giving him permission to seek a trade meant that they are so far apart in value that there was probably no no bridging any gap. I think it's more along the lines of, look, he's an older player. At some point, we got to start to get younger, and you know we, we can't do a you know, three-year extension with him just for the sake of doing it. Uh, so I, I think that... Um, I I would think more likely that this will be his last year in Philadelphia. Uh, but, you know, I, I... I can't give you a contract number because um, I don't think anything will happen. But I guess we'll wait and see. Um, all right, so that'll do it for me. This is another pretty long night here. Um, so... Uh, we're gonna be by next weekend, and I'm hoping to do a podcast, um, but we will be right up against the start of free agency. Um, Megan also has a dance competition, <laughs> so, um, that makes it a little more difficult. Now, I'm gonna be home, I think. Uh, I'll be following along online with her dance. Maybe, maybe we'll put something online if she wants me to. Um... Uh, I guess the thing that I would say that I mention every year, and I'll certainly mention it next week in a podcast if we do it, um, bear with us with all the contract stuff we do. We get hammered with traffic during this week um, or during the free agency period. The other thing is numbers will come out and you know we'll run with certain stuff, but I, there's very little I can run with when something comes out and says, you know, player signed for 360, the best I can do is just throw 360 up there and throw them in as an active contract with empty salary cap numbers. Um, You know, so just, just bear with us as we go through it. Um, You know, we try to keep up with the stuff as best we can um, deal with the traffic as best we can. It's always a little bit of strain on the server. Um, Yeah. I remember the first year of free agency when I did OTC, the, we crashed the entire server (laughs) for the company we were with and I had to move to a much bigger package. I had no idea that we would get that kind of interest um, with doing it. But, uh, you know, just bear with the store in that time. Uh, I will do the contract grades um, as the deals come in, but I don't like doing the grades until I get the full information on the deals. So... You know, I, I hate, and everybody writes about them all the time. Um, you know, you, you'll get a deal that comes in and it'll say 460, and you go, Well, you know, that that's a good deal for this guy, or Well, oh, that's a bad deal for that guy. 460, you know, it, it could be a lot of different ways to do it. And you could throw whatever numbers in there. You know, you could have a deal that's 4100 that is legitimately three for 50 and one crazy year for $50 million. Like, who knows? Um, so I usually wait in, until that point in time. Uh, we will have on the front page of the website, if you're following along here on YouTube, you can see it. Um, but if you scroll down, you'll see uh, sections that are um, right underneath the uh, the articles here, top contracts. Then it'll say 2024 caps page of uh, 2024 free agent spending. Um, that'll show you what teams have spent on free agents. So if you click on that, um, this is a good way to see free agent spending. Um, so right now what we have, I don't know why those numbers aren't matching up off I'll, I'll the actually yes Nick that I'll try to ask him tomorrow. Um, I think the free agent spending is probably, uh, showing franchise tags in there. I'll, I'll go and look back, but. You know, you can see here that our uh, players that have been signed right now, Demarcus Robinson, $4 million for the Rams. Jalen Reeves may be in at $3.75 in Detroit. Um, you know, a couple guys in the Eagles, Chiefs. Um, 49ers have a couple minimum salary guys. These are all more futures deals. Um, they probably shouldn't even be in there. But I think we include everything that was signed after February. So, you know, that gives you an idea as to what the spending would be. Um, yeah, the, that, that's the difference is the, these do hold the franchise tenders because I have uh, T Higgins on a uh, franchise tender and with the chiefs at Sneed, um, as a franchise tender, even though this is not official yet. I, I do have that up there. Um, you know, if you want to see the latest deals that we upload as we get those numbers, uh, you can see that on the site, recent notable contracts. Um, you know, that'll be based on the date that those players signed, not so much the date we get the information on, but that that's where you can see those numbers. But, uh, yeah, just, um, you know, bear with us as we go through, um, all this stuff. It gets incredibly busy. It's very hard to keep up with. Um, you know, you get help doing it and, you know, I know, uh, Troy stays up doing this stuff. Um, I pretty much wipe myself out a lot of times, you know, staying up late at night, figuring out cap numbers, cap hits and everything else. And, uh, You know, putting those numbers in, trying to get some uh, grades up there on contracts that we do. Um, The other thing is just know, you know, what I mentioned before with like that Madison deal or uh, one of the other guys, things change. So sometimes we'll put up a certain set of estimates. It may change three days later when we get better information or, um, um, you know, something else comes out about a deal uh, excuse me get wait. um you know so oh boy uh, <laughs> you know the, the, those are just different things to keep in mind so just uh bear with it um as always you know th- this this is a busy time of year for everything we do i know this is the the most traffic we get for podcasts um january february march are the most traffic that we get on the website pretty much all year long and um you know, I just thank everybody for doing that. I thank anyone that uh, subscribes on the premium end of it. it really helps us keep up with all the different uh, server costs and everything else that's associated with it. I know a couple of people have asked about the uh, ad-free aspect of it. We will do that with uh, premium members at some point. I'm kind of fiddling with a couple of things with the uh, service. And I, I think, um, you know, by summertime, I think I should have it all figured out. Um, to where it'll work that way to where when you're logged in, um, you know, you won't have to see the ads because I I know we run a lot of stuff on there, but we're just trying to, uh, you know, cover uh, some of the stuff that's associated with running the website and everything else, Um, you know, so, uh, you know, but just thank you very much for uh, following along and, um, you know, just uh, keeping us out there as uh, kind of the, you know, I guess the top source on the uh, salary cap and contract end of these things. Um, So hopefully I'll talk to everybody next week. So have a great week and hopefully I will talk to you all again soon.